Hello and welcome to Once Upon a Roll, a D&D podcast hosted by me, Rasputin, where I play a one-on-one session of D&D 5th edition with a new guest each episode in the kingdom of Cortia, a homebrew setting I've been using for over five years. Uh, today, I am joined. Joined. I am joined by Jorkin. the wonderful. <laughs> Jorn. Jorn. Uh, I am joined by the wonderful Graythorn. Gray, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> Good. Uh, I, I'm a podcast host. Yes. And I'm doing a great job of it. Uh, <laughs> great. How might people know you on the internet? You know, maybe ten thousand people. <laughs> approximately yeah yeah I, not how many how may oh, people know you oh my gosh i am so sorry i was like that's a really how, how specific many, question how many people know you i was like trying to do the math i was like oh no uh like i don't want to estimate it too high because that's well, i think it's way higher than ten thousand people but yeah yeah how how may people some, know you on the internet some people see me for 60 seconds at a time on tiktok mm-hmm. um other people uh, see me for 30 minutes at a time on YouTube where I do video essays. Great video essays Thank as you well. so much. I heard about your stuff through heavy-eyed Mitch Kramer, who has been a guest on the show. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I, I, at the time, I think you had one or two videos on your YouTube, but mostly he was shouting out your, your TikTok stuff. And I was like, no one does this really. And it's awesome. I mean, I, people are doing game design stuff on TikTok, obviously, but like, I think that the video essayist community on YouTube doesn't like pay attention to that at all, which is a bummer because there's so much good stuff. And I think, I think your work is a great example of that, of like great game design conversations happening on that platform. Right. It's, I mean, TikTok in general is such a taboo medium Mm -hmm. and I kind of understand why, because um, even when I'm sort of making TikToks, it's like you have to get your whole thesis in 60 seconds and then you omit so many parts of it that are really, really important to your argument. And, uh, you know, people in the comments are like, oh my gosh, you forgot this terrible, important thing. And you're like, yes, this medium is incredibly limited. I am so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you're like pinning multiple <laughs> comments, just trying to get the argument right. Um, so yeah, Mitch is, is wonderful. I don't know if I actually told you this, but, um, the funny thing is I was I was going to just do TikTok um, mm-hmm. and then and I really, really wanted to do YouTube. Uh, I've been watching video essays for a really, really long time. And I had made two YouTube videos out of just rage because I, I couldn't explain myself <laughs> in enough words on TikTok. So I was yeah. like, if if someone's going to give me their st- stupid, stupid like uh, comment about like, you know, how, uh, I think it was about how, um, MMORPGs are not at all the same as cozy games or whatnot. I was like, at least they have to listen to every single possible permutation (laughs) of my argument in 40 minutes. So, you know, if they write out their, their comment, I'm like, okay, you invested the time now I can engage with you and I don't feel bad about it. So that, it it Mm -hmm. just came out of pure spite, like those first two videos. Um, that's the way to start a channel, uh, frankly, right. And then, (laughs) and then Mitch, uh, reached out to me, um, about spotlighting my TikTok channel and that was the first time I was like, oh, I could actually do this. So Mitch is actually pretty much entirely responsible uh, for making me think I could do YouTube. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that that was a, a push because uh, yeah. I, I think your YouTube channel is great. I think your TikTok stuff great. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm uh, excited to see you continue to move forward on the medium. Thank you so much. 
you should all check out Greythorn. I will put links in description, so check check out that channel. But we're not here to talk about video essays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're here for Dungeons & Dragons, uh, the, the greatest game that we're playing today. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you'll play a better game uh, <laughs> at some other point. <laughs> Top 10 list. What's your, what's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're not playing Elden Ring today, are you? Um, <laughs> what, what's your experience with D&D? A lot of unfinished games uh, a yes. few long <laughs> games mainly playing sort of support spellcaster people mm-hmm. um my main fun that i have with dnd is trying to sort of break the game a little like in a fight fu- wait, like wait, a- wait a second <laughs> no oh god i'm telling the dm this um <laughs> uh, like break it as in like oh i know this spell does damage but what if it could do other things too yes 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 yeah finding multi-use i mean that's the beauty of tabletop rpgs right it's like a video game will often have like here's your fireball spell and you can use fireball to throw it at an enemy and it'll do 75 damage but you're like well what if i threw this fireball uh you know at this chain hanging from the ceiling with a chandelier and you know and and have the chandelier fall you know and and maybe it works in a video game but most of them don't you know most of them can't think through every thing you might want to do with a mechanic and and yeah that's the beauty of D&D is or or tabletop RPGs in general is yeah I'm going to use this spell in an interesting way that maybe wasn't intended but that's kind of what's great about the open-endedness of these kinds of games yeah except for divinity original sin 2 which True. i will plug real quick <laughs> is all the closest you will get to D in a mm-hmm. game where you can do sort of that thing um but yeah. I, I also like when uh when dungeons and dragons sort of borrows from um uh, video games in terms of the, the crunch and like the rigidity of their systems i don't Mm -hmm. love when things just happen because the plot wants it to happen it's like Mm -hmm. i have to have won mechanically to win story wise otherwise it's not satisfying (laughs) yeah i think that's what's cool about a lot of tabletop i mean especially DD, which you're right there is kind of that element of crunchiness to it yeah (laughs) this feels like a weird way to describe (laughs) describe but yeah it's kind of like not having it be so nebulous in its rules and some tabletop rpgs are very much like you know you're not rolling damage you're not um it's more on vibes right which isn't (laughs) bad but it's less interesting to me sometimes because I i think what you're saying of like you need to feel like you have mechanically won doesn't always exist, I guess, with more like more storytelling based tabletop RPGs. I completely agree. Yes. Uh, and even though I, I've been speaking to people about D&D and they have a lot of issues with the the rules and mm-hmm. how they've been developed, I think that um, I think that there's enough room for interpretation with the rules and there's enough rigidity that it it works out in the end. And I think there's yeah. actually a reason why D&D... 5e as controversial is is fairly popular (laughs) yeah awesome well without any further ado i think instead of talking about dnd we we should play some dnd yes so let's jump into this episode of once upon a roll the kingdom of cortia has thrived for over a thousand years in that time it has endured war against powerful enemies outlasted deadly feuds between its lords, and fought against evil, both of this plane and others. 
However, during the most recent Festival of the Autumn Sun, the sage's ritual revealed a nearly forgotten omen, the sign of Black Sun, a symbol only seen once before, and it almost led to the destruction of Cortia. Panicked, the common folk in the capital city rioted, and when the dust settled, the king was dead, and his two children had disappeared in the night. The lord of the city of Edgewood, Tom Dunn, restored peace to the capital, and with no heirs of the king anywhere to be seen, he decided to sit the throne and take the position of Lord Regent. This story, however, takes place a few months before the Festival of the Autumn Sun, a little ways west of the city of Belen, in the heart of Bommel's Thicket. Throughout your whole life, you've been searching for balance. You searched for it when growing up in the capital city of Cortia. You searched for it when attending the Vienda Academy. And you search for it now, as you roam the kingdom. For as long as you can remember, you've wanted to experience the world in the way others seem to. But that has always eluded you. And that's what drew you to the writing of Darisant Joan Per, an elven scholar of the mind. The contents of his work range from simple tips of how to be more productive to deep introspections of the nature of being an elf in the modern world. The aspect of his work that always proved most alluring to you, however, were his various references to the idea of the lost lifeblood of ancient elven cultures. Some interpret this as a metaphor for returning to the customs many elves have left behind over the millennia, but others, yourself included, have come to think of it as a tangible thing to be found. Old powers lost to time that can be tapped into to bring about something better. And that is what set you on the path of finding Darison de Jean-Pierre. While his writings speak of the importance for elves to return to Sanathalor, the great city, his work has all but forced him to be a world traveler. So you have scoured notes of his travels and followed the more recent trails of his time in Cortia. For the longest time, it led to nothing but seeing the countryside, but now you finally have a lead that feels hot. Just a week back, he passed a traveling merchant along the East River Road and inquired about the location of a small village named Ambleheld. The merchant told you exactly what he told Darisant. There is no village named Ambleheld, at least not one in that part of Cortia. However, he did point Darisant and in turn you in the direction of the only thing he thought possibly could be Ambleheld, the ruins of an old unnamed village. And so that is how you have found yourself walking an old dusty path in Bommel's thicket toward a village no one has lived in for centuries. Can you tell me about your character as you walk this path? So my character is a uh, young woman. She's 5'8", she's quite tall. Um, she's sort of lanky and awkward looking. Uh, she's got this clunky headgear on her head that's very conspicuous. She's trying to wear it as confidently as she can, but it it's mm -hmm. very out there. It's like a, yeah, it's, a, it's essentially like a headgear, like, you know, the type in, in middle school where it's it's just like, oh, that's the person at the lunch table with a huge headgear. Um, <laughs> and she's got loose pants, um, sort of like workers' pants with uh, a, a stream of pockets down the leg, just multiple, multiple, multiple pockets. Um, so she walks kind of heavily because she's got books from Darisant John Per uh, just stuffed in in her 
uh, pants. She tried to get the smallest, least hardcover edition, so it's it's not as heavy. Mm-hmm. But she's got she's got some in every pocket. She's got her um, tinkerer's tools and her wood wood carving and and blacksmithing tools, and just a very like utilitarian what you would call today streetwear, but back then <laughs> would be just sort of I am a a, a a woodcarver sort of mm-hmm. um, outfit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's also got um, Smargborg, um, <laughs> who is a lovely bunny, um, but uh, she's crafted a kind of mechanical uh, animated wooden suit. I would say, think of the Overwatch hamster ball kind of mm-hmm. size to uh, suit to bunny ratio. Um, so just a very yeah. small bunny. And a very very large suit um, that clanks as as the the rabbit moves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and an older looking rabbit. Yes, I think that Smargborg has a little bit of like an unkept um, beard. Uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would I would say not just a mustache, but more just like a a rounded beard that yeah. it just like is grown everywhere and um probably a few patches of gray yeah i think i think smartborg is, is absolutely rocking the beard <laughs> just killing it yeah. yeah uh and yeah you know he he seems as much as a rabbit can uh seems happy to be traveling uh <laughs> alongside <laughs> certainly isn't moving super quick for for a rabbit uh given the armor and probably his age <laughs> Yeah, uh, you you move along this path uh, as the clanks of Smartborg <laughs> uh, kind of echo out throughout the woods. Yeah, I walk along. I think that I am going over my notes in terms of, of where I've looked, uh, what people have said uh, about where where he is. Um, I'm trying to figure out this whole Amble Help thing because I've read a lot about the geography of this area and I've never come across an Amblehelt before. Um, so I'm wondering if it's sort of a slang name for a city that actually exists. And I'm trying to figure out uh, just linguistically where this sort of name would come from. What kind of tongue, um, what kind of area? Roll a history check. Okay. Twelve. Twelve. Uh, yeah, you you think about... Um... You know, you're you're looking over your notes and and what you know of the area. Um, obviously, you are fairly familiar with the modern landscape of this zone, even though it's not necessarily where you're from. You've spent enough time here to to have a lay in the land. You've probably read histories of the area and how things have changed. And, and you know, you don't know every single village <laughs> there is, and not all of them are even mentioned in history books. But yeah, you you uh, as as you look through, you, probably what you know and have an idea about are things from the past hundred years, and like the name Amblehelt doesn't ring a bell at all. Mm-hmm. So if it were a village, it would have been an older one, um, like much much older, uh, or or maybe just doesn't exist. Who knows? It does sound quite elven, I will say, which rings a bell for me. Or the yeah, sort of mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. me think about why Darrison would be there. So yeah, uh, your your notes don't necessarily give you any ahas, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you you continue along the path. It's a nice enough day. Um, you're, it's probably about midday at this point. I've uh, been traveling a bit in the morning. Um, the sun sun is 
out but blocked a bit by the trees. Um, and yeah, you as you're moving through Bommel's Thicket, it is very overgrown. Um, like the the trail that is here is not a man-made trail. You're probably kind of following deer tracks to a degree uh, as you move through and probably every once in a while having to just cut your own path uh, <laughs> moving along. Um, but the merchant had said like it's it's in the heart of Bombles Thicket. So you have tried your best to decipher whatever that exactly means because <laughs> uh, you yeah. didn't necessarily give a specific here are the coordinates uh, <laughs> of it. But yeah, you, you uh, move along. I can take it very literally and just think like try to calculate, okay, the heart is in this area of the human body. So if I triangulate those coordinates <laughs> based on the sort of the size of Balmet's thick, Bamel's thicket uh, versus where the heart would be located, you know, that's where yeah. I'm heading. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so that is how you first took it. And when you got to the spot where you thought that would lead, mm -hmm. you were like, this, there's nothing here. <laughs> you, you, you check, you check your math a bit too. And you're like, no, this should, this, this is where the heart would be. I'm so disappointed. You know? I, I can't think of any other way to take that. <laughs> the merchant must have lied to me probably. Did he mean to say stomach of Bombles yeah, Thicket? Exactly. You know <laughs> say Maybe say like what you mean, Richard. Where the aorta leads to. How, how would you like to continue your search? So if there's a, a town around here, chances are that closer to the town, there would be more working of the land and a use of the land in a way that it's like, this isn't fresh, raw land. It's been cultivated. Mm -hmm. It's been you know, maybe there's like irrigation systems or whatnot. Um, so I'm essentially looking for signs of, of civilization and use. Make a nature check. 24. 24. Yeah, you kind of look around. And and what the merchant had said, you know, there is a an old ruins of a village in the heart of Bommel's Thicket. And uh, so you get the sense that, yes, there definitely should be some, you know, even if it's an old village that has long been destroyed, there obviously should be signs of human intervention within the land. Right. Uh, and as you kind of kind of look through, um, you notice like a few spots that like, they're, they're certainly overgrown, but you're kind of like, hmm, there aren't tons of trees here like it's it's less forested or the trees are a little bit smaller than the other mm. trees within the forest uh and and it, it doesn't necessarily look like signs of any sort of recent um you know fields that have been there uh but but you are like well if people did live around here there must have been some sort of fields to farm and given that like the trees in this area are are like a quarter of the size mm -hmm. of the trees in all the other parts of Bombastica, it, it seems like this probably would have been where something was at some point. And would I know um, the age of the trees just by looking at them? I, I feel like a nature With a 24, yeah. yeah, with a 24, you'd probably clock like the uh, bigger trees um, as like 500 plus years old. Um and when you're when you're looking at the smaller ones, uh, seems like stuff probably within like the last two hundred or so years. So still pretty old trees, um, but just much, much younger in in 
relatively younger than the others. Okay. So I see that this is a place where uh, they've, they've sort of cultivated the trees a bit more. Do I see that it is only in this area or does it extend anywhere else? Uh, we're maybe towards some place where I would find a city. Um, you know, as you notice these smaller trees, you definitely know that it seems to continue uh, for like ahead of you. Okay. You know, there, there, there seems to, yeah, it, you know, it's not necessarily a trail, but as you're like looking up, you're like, okay, these are the smaller trees. Maybe if I continue, yeah, that way you will find something. All right. Let's hope so. You move along uh, the the clank of Smargbarg uh, keeping you company. Not ex- and- exactly <laughs> stealthy. So, <laughs> what do rabbits Isn't sound that- like? Just oh, <laughs> like- well, rabbits. I actually don't know what rabbits sound like. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming there's some sort of squeak that the rabbit yeah. that uh, Smargborg is doing, um, and then mixed in with the clank. So it's like clank, squeak, squeak, clank, squeak, squeak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you, you, the two of you, continue along. And as you move through these trees uh, more and more, you eventually start to see uh, what look like structures, mm. old structures. Uh, and and as you kind of step forward and take a look around, you see you see probably what was part of a town. You move forward and you see buildings all in various states of decay, uh, grass, moss, flowers and trees seem to have reclaimed much of the earth where these buildings once stood. A lot of the structures have rotted down to their base, but others, especially ones that weren't made of wood, uh, seem to stand somewhat intact, you know, especially the stone buildings, albeit with trees growing out through the center of them. Hmm. Interesting. So this is a town that's in a, in a state of decay. It's not super well-known historically. It would sort of suggest that it's sort of an insignificant town that just, you know, did a bit of stuff and then died out because of, like, likely economic or sort of warfare reasons. But clearly this matters to Darisons. And so I will still do a history check just at least to figure out um, maybe architecturally what kind of uh, civilization this would be associated with or what kind of culture, you know? Yeah. Okay. Roll a history check. 16. Also roll an investigation check, I think. Okay. With this advantage. It's still a 21. 21. Okay. Um, yeah. So you, you kind of look over some of the buildings and it definitely seems on par with pretty typical human settlements. Um, you know, the the wood that seems to be part of the frame for a lot of the kind of rotted out houses isn't, isn't anything special. You kind of even make a note of like elves would never make houses out of this crap. Mm. Like, you know, like, uh, and, and especially you with your wood knowledge would be like, how I mean, how long did you want this thing to last? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but humans in general always aim to build quickly, right? Over over build for long periods. Um, they they aim to build things faster, especially faster than elves. It largely seems like as you look over it, a pretty typical settlement that, frankly, you could see some humans building in modern day still. Um, it's not necessarily like houses and and have gotten all that much more advanced uh over the last few hundred years within within Cortia. Um but yeah. Okay. 
Interesting. Right. Because for Derisant, lifeblood was found more with elven civilizations than human civilizations. Because, you know, humans don't build things to last. They're, they also are generally quite frail people. And I'm looking for, for lifeblood, which is something that it, it has to do with extraordinary resistance and extraordinary bodily strength. So it's strange that my journey is bringing me here. I think that I will look inside of the buildings just to see if there are any if there's any uh, items left over. Maybe I'll dig into the ground a little or ask Smargborg to dig into the ground a little. Yeah, roll uh, an investigation check. Uh, that's 15. 15. Uh, yeah, you, you start looking around the buildings, popping your head in. You know, there seems to be some things that have lasted the test of time. You know, you see probably a few, like, old broken plates a little buried in the ground, you know, uh, a wooden toy that actually seems to be made of uh, solid wood uh, mm. that obviously hasn't rotted much at all. You know, a, yeah, a little toy of uh, in, in the shape of a bear. And yeah, it's some different signs of life. You would notice Smartwork would start like kind of clawing at something and then just be like, <laughs> just like freaking out with squeaks. Excitedly? And like running kind of, uh, you don't necessarily get that sense as Smartwork then clatters over to you and just like hides behind your feet. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um there was a point in on the ground where Smartwork saw sort of saw something that startled him. Yeah. Okay. And you can see where he was digging. You know, there's some dust there. Okay. Um then I go and look. Yeah, you walk over and you see what's immediately clear as a human skeleton or humanoid skeleton. Oh wow. Okay. Interesting. This is getting interesting. I start by ooh, I I I want to uncover more of the skeleton. Is it completely uncovered? I'd say like Smartboard got a little bit of the skull uncovered. Uh, and as you look, you know, you can see like, oh, toes are sticking up a bit too uh, <laughs> out of the ground. Um, I will try to use my tools. Would that be okay? Uh, yeah. Okay. Because uh, I have proficiency there. So okay. um, would that be, would it be okay to use uh, either tinkers, woodcarvers? What would, what would it be? I'd say you're kind of like, Tink, like you're doing like a makeshift archaeology okay. <laughs> sort of thing, right? Uh, I'd say I'd say uh, tinkers. Okay, um, and then I think it's eleven. Okay, and eleven to do it well and to make sure that you're not like breaking anything. Yeah, <laughs> keeping things as intact. Uh, it takes a little longer uh, than maybe you thought it would. Um, okay. But yeah, eventually you get the whole skeleton uh, uncovered. Okay, then I would either do a medicine check or. If you permit me, I would do an, a history or an investigation check, actually. Um, I would do medicine to sort of figure out the, how he died. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would do either, I would do investigation to figure out just like about stuff about the body itself and history perhaps to um, identify any um, time period or just like, uh, you know, stuff that I would recognize from like a textbook. Yeah, I'll say make a medicine and investigation check. Okay. So start with the medicine. Sure. Um, oh, God. Uh, five on medicine. Five. You look over it and, you know, uh. it's not that you're completely, like, have no knowledge of this sort of thing. But it's a, it's a pretty old skeleton. 
Uh, mm-hmm. it, is it, and it's like there aren't any clear signs of like trauma to it. And also, like, parts of it seemingly probably just to the years have broken off a bit and, and decomposed on their own. So it's like, uh, it's hard to get a good idea of I, it. I make things that kill people. I don't make things that, like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do the killing, you know, so it's, I yeah. wouldn't know. And then you can roll investigation. Okay, yes. I, I got an 11 there. An 11? Okay. Uh, what you would be able to tell, kind of taking a close look, is that... This figure is distinctly human. Okay. Not just humanoid, but actually a human, which checks out with what you know of the other things. So yeah, that's that. kind of what I expected. I guess there's, can I, can I do that history check or would it not glean anything? You know, it's not necessarily knowledge that you know of this place. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have any knowledge of a village where people just suddenly died over time. So I'm going to... I use uh, ritual casting to cast detect magic around this area. Yeah. Uh, So I think that takes about 10 minutes to do the ritual casting. You take a seat in the grass, uh, start preparing the spell. And after the time passes, you notice one kind of like ping of magic. Mm. Probably about like 20 feet. Is it sort of in the ground? Because I I can penetrate... Uh, some some of the ground with detect magic. It seems to be at, at, at the surface level. Okay, I'll go over and look at it. You notice as you get over to it a blue crystal shard that's just dimly glowing. Um, it's in a tall patch of grass. You also notice that wrapped around the shard is a skeletal hand that seems to be connected to a skeletal body. Uh, arcana check on the blue shard? Uh, yeah, roll, roll Arcana. That's a 15. 15. First off, with Detect Magic, it seems to be in the Conjuration School of Magic. Okay. As far as an Arcana check, like, you know, you've certainly seen magical stones <laughs> throughout your life, uh, obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, you are familiar with, you know, different magic being contained to uh, powerful gems. Uh, it's just usually a good conduit for it. As you're looking at this, you don't recognize it. You have never seen anything exactly like this one, but certainly doesn't seem all that strange, I suppose. Okay. I take the gem carefully out of the hand, hopefully mm-hmm. not breaking off any <laughs> of the fingers. I don't know if it's worth doing another check on the, on the human. Um, can I try another medicine check just to see if they, how they die? Yeah, you can, you can do the old medicine investigation uh, combo. All right. Uh, oh, that hurts so much. I got a nat 20, but I'm rolling, uh, but if I, if I were to roll with advantage for medicine, but I got a five and then investigation would be an 18. 18. Okay. Uh, so again, you're looking at it. It's an old skeleton. It's hard to tell. There isn't any obvious, you know, there's not like an ax lying by Mm. (laughs) that seems like it was dug in its head or anything like that. Hard to tell on something this old. With the investigation, and this one isn't like fully buried like the other one is. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of in tall grass, uh, mm-hmm. so you don't need to spend time uncovering it. Investigation, though, you would be able to tell that this figure seems to be elven, just based on head shape and and general size. It, it seems to be an elf. Is it Darrison? 
I don't think you are familiar enough with Darison's uh, skeletal form. I've studied this man for a really, really long time. Yeah, I imagine you had, like his portrait's probably in his book. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm holding up the book to try to match it. Like the cheekbone structure, you know, he's got really prominent cheekbones. Honestly, kind of a yeah. silver fox, and uh, I'm trying to match that to the cheekbone. Yeah, hard hard to tell. <laughs> but it is an elf. All right. I'm trying to figure out the, because, you know, elves and humans do live among each other. 200 years ago, would I know if elves and humans uh, lived in harmony before the Fire Nation attack? <laughs> before the fire, yeah. Uh, even without a history check, yeah. I mean, okay. yes. You know, I, it, like, the general vibe of things is elves have been around for forever. Uh, mm -hmm. Humans have largely been thriving uh, for the last thousand or so years, like some elves like were around <laughs> like when, when humans really started, you know, building where they are now. In general, though, like elves do often keep themselves separate from humans, but half elves exist, so they don't do it that well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, definitely no clothes on this elf that would tell me something. It seems like any, yeah, any clothing has largely been frittered away. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, this is difficult because I feel like I don't really know um, where to orient myself. I'm trying to essentially just think like Darisant would, if Darisant were to were trying to find the lifeblood. Because my theory with all of this is that Darisant is has disappeared. Uh, from the press for a little bit because, you know, Darisant is always touring and always is doing press and there's always new um, uh, sort of uh, bardic noise going around about what Darisant mm -hmm. has been up to. And recently there hasn't been as much of that. So I'm assuming because right before he was gone, he was, he was talking a lot about lifeblood and a lot of people think that lifeblood is just sort of like a theoretical social concept. But I think that he was talking a lot about it and disappeared because he's trying to find the lifeblood. So if it's something where you are trying to excavate another civilization to find that lifeblood, and I sort of made that link where I was like, oh, maybe the lifeblood didn't disappear when um, we thought it did. But I'm assuming that the lifeblood is magical in some sense. So can I walk around as I use the tech magic and like use it like a metal detector almost? As you walk around, it mostly seems like this gemstone is the magical source that is within, you know, range of your spell, even as you walk around. I will. I want to use the stone. <laughs> I want to see if I can use the stone for something. You hold this stone and take a moment to kind of examine it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know that in general, like... Sometimes magical things take time to become attuned to. So yeah, you, you flip it over in your hand, you you look over it, and after a little while, you can sense like a sort of magical resonance to it as, mm. as you hold it. it. It just feels like it generally resonates um, almost like with you to your core. Wow. And then you kind of feel like the magic of it almost seems to be tugging on you a bit. Okay. Do you let it pull you? I, I think that there is definitely a moment where I am terrified because I hate giving up that kind of control over myself. Like I'm a very sort of 
like meticulous, I do this because I need to do this. And then I go and do that because I know logically I need to do that. And there are very few times where I sort of let spontaneity just pull me in, in any direction. But here I'm trying to accomplish a very definite goal. And I believe that this is in service of that goal. So I will uh, let that happen, but definitely with a little bit of sort of fear and reservation. Okay. Do you feel the pull and then you know, take a little breath and then let the magic pull on you? And you feel a sharp tug on the base of your neck and then your vision blurs. For a moment, you think you'll be sick, but then that feeling stops. Sun shines down on a quaint village. All said and done, there are nine buildings. Most of them seem to be houses, but there also seems to be like a smith, a stable, and a tavern. Not the type with rooms to stay, but with food to be served. You'd imagine most days it'd be a quiet place to live, but today a sizable group of folks uh, for a village of this size seem to be gathered at the center of town, all of them looking at a man that you've seen the portrait of countless times, Darison Jean-Pierre. What? You see the people at the center of town seem to be angry with Darison, uh, all kind of looking at him with... Uh, frustration in their eyes and, and you know, kind of a, a little bit of fear as well. You know, some of them are, since you last were here and you left, the crops have all wilted away overnight. They wilted away right before our eyes. Uh, another says, we can't even leave now. What what did you do? And Darison's kind of just standing there like, I, I did nothing. Uh, I didn't do anything. We worked together to try to figure a thing out and something has happened and we can figure that out together. Okay. Um, I'm first of all sort of following the thread of my theory. And before talking to anyone, I want to figure out uh, if this is in the past. So I'm going to do a history check. Roll a history check. Uh, that's 23. 23. Uh, as you're looking over, you know, like uh, building trade in, in Cordia, as mentioned before, hasn't necessarily shifted tons, especially in the rural areas, right? Mm -hmm. Like cities have been these amazing places of growth and, and building wild things. But a lot of people on the outskirts have been living in the same kind of houses for a long, long while. But what has kind of spread throughout to a degree is fashion mm -hmm. and, and clothing. And you would definitely notice that like the clothing seemingly worn by uh, what seems to be the townsfolk are older cuffs, not really things that you necessarily see lots of villagers wearing in modern day. They also do seem to be higher quality of fashion mm. than what you would typically expect in in a village of this sort. You don't necessarily know like, oh yes, this is 1920s fashion. <laughs> uh, but you can definitely tell like th this is older. This is not current Cortian fashion for a village and and yeah. And it also seems to be higher quality. Darison seems to be dressed in quite typical elven robes. Okay. Granted, elven style probably hasn't changed for <laughs> a, a thousand years. You know, who knows? I'm going to look to Darison. And I think this is a huge moment for me because, like you've said, I've been spending so long looking at, at pictures of this person. And it's seeing, you know, like... The, the person move. I, I think I'm trying to compare the stature that I expected in my head mm -hmm. with how tall he actually is in real life. And I think that I've sort of looked to this person as 
almost like a fatherly figure in my life, someone mm -hmm. who's guiding my life, not by directly speaking to me, but through his writing. And a part of me thinks, oh, he's he's got this, whatever this is, he's trying to mm -hmm. help these people. And part of me feels protective of him. So I think that what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk up, maybe not onto the stage, but to the, to the side of the stage and try to get people's attention. So yeah, they're, they're not necessarily on a stage, they're just at like the center of town uh, oh, and oh. all just kind of like looking at him. Um, so it feels like probably a stage, you know, like from <sighs> his perspective. But it, it, yeah, it's more of just like uh, a gathering, an impromptu gathering, not necessarily him like uh, giving a speech at this moment or anything like that. But yeah, so do you want to move by him? Uh, yeah, I think I want to get sort of like in between him and those people because I'm a little okay. bit, you know, I'm a bit afraid that they're going to hurt him um, yeah. given how angry they seem. And I think I'm just sort of very like self-righteously ask mm -hmm. them, uh, what, why are you guys, why are you screaming at this man? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, you move along into the spot and and yeah, you, you definitely have your moment of finally seeing uh, <laughs> Derisant in the flesh. A lot of elves grow their hair out quite long, uh, and certainly he has somewhat long hair, maybe about like shoulder length. Uh, it has started to gray. You know, you can tell it used to be black, but there certainly are gray streaks throughout, and it is very tidy. He has a like a little bit of stubble on his face, which like you didn't expect because his pictures definitely like don't <laughs> really have that. And like elves with stubble, it's like. You know, not maybe some traveling elves will end up having stubble, but mo most elves end up, you know, trying to be very prim and proper with uh, all, all that sort of thing. I, I think that, um, that's actually going to humanize him even more for me and sort of <laughs> or elfinize him more for me, yeah. where I'm just like, wow. And he really practices what he preaches because he says that you have to get down in the dirt and, and do the work and, and really not be scared to pursue your goals in sort of the everyday, uh, you know, blue collar way. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just like, wow, he's really practicing what he's preaching. Have we introduced your character's name? I guess no one's uh, so talked to your character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've done this before where like it, it just hasn't come up. Uh, but yes, um, Sybil mm -hmm. uh, is smart and knows the size of elves. I imagine in your head, right? Like as mm -hmm, in you're kind mm -hmm. of uh, alluding to like, he probably was like, you know, six, four, like larger than life, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 because yeah. that's what he is meant to be. You know, elves, you know, though, are shorter than humans, shorter than half elves. So he's probably standing about like you're taller than him. What? Uh, certainly you are. Yeah. Elves are shorter than half elves and shorter than humans. So you in, in this moment, you're like, oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, as, as, as you kind of come up to him and stand between and you're standing at the crowd and you're shorter than most of them, uh, or not, not all of them, because uh, 5'8 five, eight, five, eight is quite tall as well. But yeah, you, you are about the same height as the humans and kind of like look back at Darius, almost do like a double take probably of like, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> he's probably about like 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, um, that's so funny. Okay. So you're a little bit surprised to like uh, actually be looking down uh, mm -hmm. on him as, as as you stand between. Wisdom um, has no size. Yeah, exactly. And everyone seems like shocked as you move forward and and stand in between it. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of like blank stares and like how how did you get here? Uh, one of the men in front says. I I 
I am, I'm, I don't, I have actually have, I have no idea. I, I don't understand what's happening right now. Uh, but I, I, can you, can you stop yelling at, at Darisant, please? <laughs> I think I'm just very frazzled and sort of like, you know, when someone is just like, stop yelling at my dad, stop yelling at dad. Yeah, they all kind of like look at you and then look at him where all of them have like a look of confusion, shock and surprise. He is like has a look of calculation. Mm, that gives me great assurance. I'm like, yes. OK, good. It's like not things that they're even trying to hide. It's all just plastered on all of their face. Like you can just see him kind of narrow his eyes for it. Won't even make you make an insight check, even though a better DM might have. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you kind of get that sense by looking at everyone. And, and then the crowd kind of starts up again, <laughs> like yelling a bit at you as well, uh, being like, you're working with him. Like, what, what is going on? How did you get here? Oh, God. Realizing that I have entered into this situation with absolutely no plan and just sort of a, a sense of self-righteousness. I'm going to turn to Darisant and try to get from him what's going on because, I, you know, I am on his side and I do want to know what I can do mm -hmm. to make this better. So, I, I, yeah, I'm going to ask uh, uh, what's happening and what can I do? Uh, yeah, as, as you turn to Darisant, he kind of like looks to you and seems to just be trying to take your measure and, and figure out who you are and why you are here. I can introduce myself. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I... I didn't introduce myself. I, um, I'm, I'm a, I, I read, I've read, I know everyone says this probably to you, but I've read a lot of your stuff. Um, I, and like not the main stuff too, like also the, the sort of diary entries that you've written and that you weren't planning to release, but then you release them with a little commentary on the side. Everything, just everything from your mind is, is fascinating to me. And I sort of pull out like the most obscure book that I can uh, uh, grab from my pants and just show like I'm an ultra fan. Like I don't just like your main work that everyone likes. I like, you know, like that one EP that you released read that all you the like and no one else. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, they're like the crowd is still kind of like confused and, and say things like now she's pulling up, but like, it's like, what? Uh, and, and you hear him kind of look you up and down, see you showing all the work and you see like a quick little smile hits his face and then he nods uh, and he looks like he's about to open his mouth to speak. And, and you hear a voice from behind say, quiet down, everyone, quiet down. We can figure things out. And a man steps by you and Darisant and he, he looks to be a man in his early 30s, strong. As soon as he speaks, everyone quiets down. So you get the sense that he mm -hmm. has some sort of authority here that people at the very least respect him a fair bit. But yeah, uh, a strong build. Um, definitely very like suntanned, uh, <laughs> has spent a lot of time outdoors. You, you would assume probably does fair amount of farming in general. I'm Jordy Brinton. Uh, I'm the Reese of this village. Who who are you and how did you get here? I I was looking for Darisant. Uh I, I'm from Cortia. Um I I am not entirely sure how I got here, but essentially um it has to do with conjuration magic. Um I was uh looking for the city of, of Anvil Anvilhelt, and I believe this is that city. Um but honestly I have little hints here and there, and I'm sure that Darisant would be able to explain this better than I could. And I sort of look to him with like, 
fascination and like, he's got this. <laughs> Darisant nods and, and looks over to Jordy. I have never met her before, but her being here does indicate that whatever is happening in Ambleheld can be un, undone um, and, and fixed. And her and I most likely will be the ones to be able to fix it and help well, whatever has gone wrong here. Uh, Jordy kind of like looks between the two of you. Uh, he's right. Uh, yes, us. We're go- we're going to fix it. Uh, Jordy takes a, a long look. Um, <laughs> roll a persuasion check. Just normal. I'm gonna. You you have okay. advantage as you have a uh, Darisant kind of giving you support, the assist, but then you naturally have disadvantage. So yeah. It's a thirteen. He kind of looks. All right. Let's try to get to the center of this. Uh, he turns to the people. Nothing will be solved with you yelling at Darisant. We will solve it through conversation and action. I ask all of you, for now, to head to your homes until things move forward and we figure more out. There's like a few people that seem to like open their mouths and he just kind of gives a look. Go to your homes and we will figure this out. The crowd, uh, after a moment, kind of disperses. Except for Jordy, he stays around, uh, and obviously Darisant stays as well. Um, I think that I want to get Darisant somewhere separately so that I can figure out what is happening and how I can help him. But I don't think I know socially how to do that very well. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have, like, the, the like, keen subtlety social subtlety to be able to Mm -hmm. do that um so i think that wanting that to happen i just sort of like stand there and wait until until the town leader leaves yeah he he does not he seems to have questions for you and as the other town people disperse and you're kind of waiting there he uh puts a hand out for you to shake oh it was an odd introduction um sorry for the people that are just a little concerned at what's happening it takes me a moment. I also don't like touching hands. Yeah. Um, so I look at it and I'm like calculating the need to shake this man's hand. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I shake the hand. Yeah. He, he gives a firm, quick shake, you know, not uh, overstaying its welcome. Um, mm-hmm. And his hand is not like sweaty or, or unpleasant, you know. But yeah, yeah. You're, you're not like, oh gosh. <laughs> need to like, Does it feel uh, skeletal yeah. in any way? <laughs> um, <laughs> He gives a nod and a breath. Roll a perception check. Ooh, with a disadvantage, eh? Yeah. That's a nine. Nine. Um, your eyes so far have pretty much mostly been for Darisant, right? Like, it's like yeah. you are meeting your idol, so you haven't paid mm. that much attention. Um, with a nine, what you would notice, as you kind of look around, um, things around you all look relatively normal. I mean, you can kind of, like take a quick glance and you're like, this seems similar to what I just saw, except mm. not ruins. Uh, what is weird is like when you kind of look to the sky, like in the distance, it seems like gray. There, there's like a point where like the sky itself look, I mean, the sky itself looks gray. The sun looks a little gray. It, it, there is still light pouring through. And, you know, when you look at the grass, it's green, right? But things that are kind of in the distance seem to lack color. Jordy says, people are just a bit concerned. That makes them lose their head a bit, but uh, 
we're all in this together, so um, we, we should try to figure it out together. So what I've gleaned from all of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you are all trapped in this town and it has something to do with what happened when Darisent came here? Jordy nods and, and Darison kind of steps forward. So all the three of you are kind of in a triangle of <laughs> being able to converse instead of like you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> as the blockade. Uh, yes, I was around here recently and I had ideas that there might be more to this place uh, than meets the eye. And Jordy nods says, there always have been. Uh, our crops here, they, they grow faster than what's normal. What normally would take an entire season can take just a week to grow for us. Mm. Uh, it's always been that way, and Darison had a passing interest in, in this and wanted to see if there was some sort of source for it, of which the people of the town were a little mixed on finding. Mm. Darison nods. But for those who weren't and were interested in learning about this place, we gathered a group of, of folks who, who wanted to learn more and have been trying to make our way uh, down beneath to find out what might be there. As there are various signs aside from that, there's uh, also what seems to be a, a temple in this area that might be hiding some sort of magic. Uh, there isn't a good way into the temple. There is someone who seems to know the way in town, but she would not give the information. So uh, I hired some people to just try to dig down there. And that's what we did. We got there, but unfortunately there was a cave-in and uh, don't have a good way to get back there. But it seems that something that happened during that may have may have influenced this town to be the way it is now. Uh, Jordy, I... I, I... I think you're worried about all of this, but there's really no reason to be. Uh, Darisent has done so much research about things like this. He, I, this seems to be temporal in some way. Um, you know, he's written a lot about that. Um, I, I, if there's, you, you're really lucky that essentially the person that is here to help you with all this is uh, someone who's been so academically involved with this kind of thing. So I, I mean, I will do my best to help, but I'm pretty confident that we'll be okay. Jordy still looks worried. Uh, and, and he kind of looks at Darisent and while he certainly has been kind, uh, in, in this instance, cause he seems like the kind of guy that's like, all right, guys, let's, 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 you know, quiet down, calm down. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily seem to have the same faith that you, you do in Darison. Uh, but, but he doesn't seem to also like completely think you're wrong. If that makes sense. You know, he seems maybe more undecided as he kind of looks between. I say, you seem undecided, but, uh, here, this might help you understand. And I hand him a book (laughs) that he's written about like, about some sort of temporal arcana shit. Yeah, you pull out one of his books, and as you pull it out to hand, Darisent like kind of reaches a hand out slowly and grabs it and says, I don't think we have time to look over my reading right now, but this is something we certainly can look at later. Oh, yes, of course. Jordy, I will get to the bottom of this and figure out what happened. Um, we can't be sure that the expedition that I led caused this. This could all just be natural things, but 
I, I will figure it out because it's with my best interest as well. I, I'm, I'm here as well. So there's I don't have also a way written to get about correlation and causation. And uh, I mean, I, I know I can't <laughs> give books out, but I, that there's we cause correlation is not causation. Is, is all I'm going to say. Jordy nods and he looks at you and says, well, my one question is, how did you get here? No one's been able to leave this place or get in other than Derisant. Uh, how, how did you get here? Right. So that's why I think that this is something a bit uh, magical. Uh, there's some conjuration magic involved with this gem and I hold up the gem I seem to have activated the magic and so I am fairly sure that there is a way in here through this type of magic and now that I say this out loud I wonder if this can also offer a way out uh, the crystal uh, roll, roll an insight check real quick Oh, with disadvantage right I got a yeah. five five uh you don't get anything from darisant uh jordy definitely like seems surprised and intrigued but you don't get much beyond that mm. and where did you use this oh i i did it uh and then i point wherever i was standing when i sort of appeared he looks very confused why didn't we s see you then when i came in yeah why why did well I mean, if you said you used it there, wouldn't we have... Well, I, He seems I mean, very confused. Uh. <laughs> I mean, uh, Jordy, have, uh, do you have any experience with magic? Personal? Not not much. Uh, mostly just, I guess, the assumed magic of uh, Ambleheld, but nothing that I've used. Question. Is it super confirmed that there are, like, different sort of planes of existence and stuff like that. Like, I don't know how to the extent that. Uh, yes, it is okay. confirmed that there are planes of existence. Does a villager... <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, no. In the middle of nowhere, no. So, you know, not to bring up Darison's work again, but, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the preeminent scholars uh, <laughs> of, 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 of magic. Um, there, uh, It's been confirmed recently that there are different planes of existence, uh, that exist and you can shift between them using certain types of magic. Uh, honestly, Darison can probably talk about this better than I can, and I sort of look at to him to see if he approves of my account of his scholarly work. That's probably far more complex and detailed than I'm making it out to be. He gives an answer. Go, go on. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you know, I say enter and shift, and it's, I, I talk about it in sort of a spatial way, but, uh, there's there's a lot of more details. Uh, 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 Darisant uses different terminology. Uh, I, I sort of get into like the weeds of like the 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 very sort of subtle scholarly distinctions mm -hmm. between moving in a spatial way and moving into a different plane of existence. Um, and I just realize like I catch myself and I go. Um, anyways, uh, it, it's possible that you are all locked in either a different time or um, a different speed of time or a different plane of existence altogether. Darison gives an approving nod uh, to it. As she pointed out, there's no one better here to help than being apparently Sybil as well. Uh, the two of I, us can uh, figure these things out. <laughs> <laughs> I took an interest in Ambleheld because of 
the magics it seemed to hold, and I still have that same interest. So we will figure this out. If you could give me free exploration of the town and um, potentially a way in to the temple, um, I worry that as things are, taking time to dig another tunnel might uh, be a process that takes too long. Uh, Jordy kind of just shakes his head and says, we can try. I assume that Mora will be holding on to the way to get in just as hard as she was before. While some people here have taken a liking to you, she certainly has never been one of them. Uh, But maybe you can convince her to let you in. He nods and says, well, we can figure that out. Uh, For now, let uh, me and Sybil uh, figure out our next steps. Jordy nods and says, I'll be here if you need anything. And he uh, kind of (laughs) head spinning a bit after your long uh, (laughs) explanation of different realms like... He's like, uh, you know, it certainly would make sense. The sky is gray, and <laughs> we've always yeah. had some weird magic. Uh, I, I don't understand the inner workings of it, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he definitely seems frazzled, but knows that there aren't that many other options uh, for this. So he kind of goes off and seems to just be kind of checking in on various people in the town uh, to keep them as calm as possible. Mm-hmm. Darison kind of pulls you aside gives like the head nod like let's go this way and you're like oh that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how i should have done it <laughs> <You> know, just, <laughs> uh, i yeah. record that to use it later yeah <laughs> to aggressively head nod in directions when i want someone to go there yeah and he says uh, can i take a look at that crystal that you had oh yes absolutely uh, i give it to him and i'm just like um i hope you, my account of your work was was uh was appropriate i know that there's so many other sort of intricacies and in fact i actually wanted to ask you a few questions about your work at some point i know that there are more pressing matters but i've had my own theories uh sort of about how uh your temporal theory interacts with your he's looking at the gem like not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but he is given like nods as you're like going ahead and just "Mm -hmm." yes uh, and you see him pull from his pocket a, another gemstone that looks practically identical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he seems to be, like, holding them, comparing them, looking at them. Interesting. Can I do a, an investigation check to also see? Yeah, yeah, roll investigation. Oh, okay, that's a 12. Uh, okay. They look pretty much the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. they look similar, they look close. Uh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, is just looking at the over and it's like, interesting. And, and where did you find this uh, i found it in an elven hand um uh, someone who was clutching it in the middle of this town uh, and by the way when i got here to this town it was in ruins so that's why i sort of suggested the temporal thing is everything here looks very intact when i got here it was completely in ruins and shambles uh not much like uh roll an insight check <gasps> okay it's not a nat one it's a dirty one. D- dirty one. Uh, yeah, y- y- you just see him kind of nod. Uh, you don't really pick up anything from his expression after you tell him that. He kind of holds them for a while and then says, and you found this gem, and, and what about it led you here? So it's it's conjuration magic, as I've said. Um, mm-hmm. There is something about it that pulled on my something within me um, towards this realm, this dimension. I don't know if it's got 
I've got some theories. Um, I think either it's got something to do with my magic and who I am, or it has something to do with just this is the key in and out of this to this dimension. He nods, and he like seems to be holding it, like looking for whatever <laughs> uh, resonance you had with it and not seeming to feel it. Yeah. Can I ask him, like, do you feel it? Do you feel it tugging at you? Not anymore. Um, he hands you uh, the stone that you had found back and then kind of holds up the one that he had pulled from his pocket. I I used to, um, but since getting back here, I, I haven't. Uh, your theory seems to hold water. Um I I came here nearly 300 years ago. Uh, it was when I first came to Ambleheld, and it looked much like this. Uh, and that's where I got this stone. And I left, haven't come back, but somewhat recently was interested in checking in on how the folks here had grown. Um, obviously, I knew no one that I knew back then would be there, as they're humans and lives are short, but... I was curious to see where things had gone, and like you, I had found ruins as well. But as soon as I stepped foot, I just was pulled here without my control and met the folks that used to be here. How long have you been here? I've been here uh, two days, it seems. Um, I was watching from the outside for a little bit, seeing how this happened or what happened, and then... Uh, reintroduce myself to the townsfolk. Um, to them, though, it seems like I only left about a week ago. Mm. Okay. So time goes slowly here, or we re-enter the time stream backwards, back in time. I was thinking about that also with the, the grass that grows really quickly, because the grass growing quickly would suggest that time goes uh, actually more quickly here. So I don't know how those fit in with each other. Well, certainly part of with with time is sometimes uh, when magic is involved, it's not always the most stable of things. Um, what I can tell you and what you and I are going to try to figure out is certainly a way out of here. Uh, and, and where I got this stone was, was from the heart of what seems to be uh, a temple built long ago, protected by one of the elders here who refused our entrance, but I was able to get folks curious enough to, mm. to explore, to, to build something down to it. Uh, yeah, I found a stone that seemed to have some sort of push and pull on time, um, and I took a part of it, and then that's how I got this, and he holds it up again. Were you able to use it? Did you use it? I, I certainly, how I've figured out various studies um, and various information that you've <laughs> very well read in my books uh, was through experiments with this stone. Wow. Although since being pulled back here, I haven't really been able to tap into its magic for whatever reason. You know, when we solve this and we get out of here, do you want me to uh, write notes for then? Because I, I'm sure you'd probably want to write a book about how you've helped the people of this town and, and figured out all of this, the, the temporal, uh, the temporal issues. He, nod, he nods. Uh, certainly. Yeah. Certainly notes could help. Okay. I, I start taking really detailed notes of everything he says. Um, and just sort of like, you know, when people, uh, from like the New York times write 
really um like fancy interview interview stuff where mm-hmm. it's just like he sat down and with his stubble yeah. beard he um <laughs> he looked into the distance very grizzled or whatever like you know like just like really talking him up like man who's seen a thousand lifetimes yes, and we'll yes. see a thousand more <laughs> yes yes yes, yes. Yeah. after being here for 200 yeah <laughs> yeah he looks at his stone and says here and hands it to you oh my god i I don't think I should have these stones on me. It feels like it would be safer with you. I want to see if you can get any use out of it. I I, I thank you so much. This is even better than I could ever have imagined. And I, like, turn to the side. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what you've noticed is the stone that brought you here, since you've gotten here, it hasn't necessarily had kind of the pull feeling that it did before, you know, when, when you were on the other plane or, or wherever it was. The new one, as soon as you hold it, you do feel that sense again of a pull. Um, I, I turn to Darison and I'm like, I, I feel the pull. Should I go with it? I uh, I have both uh, crystals so I could come back and we could, in, I think it could tell us something. Give it a try. I'll be right here. Okay, I go and do it. Yeah, you let the pull on you and you feel the tug behind your neck again and your vision blurs and Mm -hmm. the sun is blocked by all the foliage that has built up over time. And you see, as soon as you appear, just the squeaks of Smargborg, who (gasps) seems to have been terrified uh, (laughs) that you haven't got he he, Yes, he he was uh, not with me. He was just like, and like jumps at your leg and like (gasps) nuzzles up on you. I, I hug I hug him and I'm like I'm so sorry I didn't realize the crystal would only take me. Um, next time this happens, stay wherever I disappear. Or no, actually I'm, I'm going to take you with me. I'm going to take you with me. We're going to figure out a way for you to come with me. That's that's not acceptable. I'm taking you with me. <laughs> this is my pet and it will stay with me. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think the next thing I do, um, I want to impress Darisent. So I think the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to run to where um, that covered up temple if it's far if it's not far too far i'm gonna run where to where it is to try to figure out if i can bring anything back for him you're just gonna kind of explore then and try to quickly like find it because i know that time doesn't work the same you don't know exactly how time works yeah oh no wait no 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 okay because he was he was out for a long time like 200 years and then he came back and it had only been a week so i can take my sweet sweet time looking around because it'll only have been a few minutes by the time I get back. Maybe. Oh, God. Um, I, I follow that train of logic, I think, still. Yeah, that, and I, I think I, that's I go, fair. Yeah. I think that's certainly fair. I guess when talking, like, Jordy and Darisent would have, like, vaguely pointed in the direction of where the entrance seemed, you know, like, you probably know where the entrance to the seemingly, like, mine shaft that mm-hmm. uh, Darisent had commissioned people around the town to carve out uh, would be, as well as what seems to be, like, the actual entrance to the place. Um, so, yeah, when, when you make your way to uh, what seems to be the entrance, it, it's about, like, a quarter mile away from the village proper, and and it's alongside kind of an outcropping of, of rocks. You know, it's not like a huge cliff by any means or like a mountainy area, but just like a solid kind of slab of stone along like a bit of a hill. And and you see what would have been the door now is like collapsed into chunks of stone all piled upon each other, 
kind of pushed by the earth uh, mm. and crumbled in through, through uh, you know, this area not really being kept. And a uh, roll, roll investigation, actually. Okay. 14. Yeah, and it almost seems like rocks broken in ways that, like... <sighs> What, I, you don't know. You don't know exactly how it happened, but it seems like some of it may have taken like extreme show of force, uh, whether it's some sort of blast or mm. someone breaking it down. But yeah, it it the the entrance now is completely broken, just chunks all piled up, uh, really blocking the path. You kind of get the sense like, hey, I could maybe move these stones to get through. You don't know necessarily how far things have caved in, uh, how deep they've caved yeah. in. Uh, and the stones are all quite big. <laughs> yeah. um, so while possible, probably not the easiest thing to do. Okay, so it's the same as how he described it being. As, as in like he exploded some well, sort so, of Well, so no, this is the entrance, which was not what had caved in. But now this entrance also seems to be caved in. I imagine, like, yeah, if you wanted to take a look at the mine shaft he made, you could do that as well. Uh, but again, you'd mostly just find rubble and cavens. So it seems like in in this time, both both like what seems to be the entranceway into the place and the mm. cave he made have have been uh, decimated. I am scared that this is the type of time loop where I go back in time and I do things and then it's like, it makes what I've seen happen, happen. <laughs> um, and you said that it would take time to get through to this entrance. Yeah, big rocks. You'd make lots of strength checks and it'd probably take days <laughs> to, to clear it. Right. Um, with, you said a 14. Yeah. You would notice, like, on one of the stones seems to be almost like a groove that something could fit in. You don't really know how that might matter now, but it does seem interesting. Is it crystal-sized? Maybe a crystal, but it seems bigger than the ones you hold. Interesting. Hmm. Also, as an update for the crystals, uh, when you're back in this time, the one that originally felt the pull now seems to be... You know, that, that tug seems to be there again. Uh, mechanically, as a bonus action, uh, you may shift uh, between uh, this amble held and... Oh, that's so sick. That's so, so sick. I love that so much. And I know that um, I, w I was actually expecting the temple door to be completely open because I was expecting to be able to go inside and then shift back and then grab something and... and sort of use the unblocked entrance to in one mm -hmm. time to get the whatever's inside. Um, but that would be too easy. So thank you. Uh, for that. <laughs> so anything else that I can glean and, or even just like grab from this area? Is there any like stuff I can take with me? Here, no. Because you did move with the crystal uh, before you never did your search, your big magic search. Oh. Uh, so if you want to kind of do that, you can, or else, you know, head back and check in with Darison. Yeah, I'll do a quick detect magic uh, around this area, the cave area. As you do that, you definitely can sense some magic inside. Okay. And what kind, what uh, school? 
enchantment magic. Enchantment magic. I mean, I can probably feel the pull now from the other crystal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get a sense that I can move back and forth, and, and so I am comfortable leaving this for another crystal shift time. Okay. Um, so do you want to shift now or head back to the town and then shift? Or Yeah, so I'm going to look for signs of... Uh, whether whether an explosion decimated this town and made it look uh, the way it does now, or whether it was uh, just wear and tear and then sort of the elements. Awesome. Yeah, so, so you head back to the town. Um, roll an investigation check. Okay. Nine. Nine. Uh, as you're kind of looking things over, like, it's just hard to tell. Like you're you're trying to get a close look at things, but there's a lot of overgrowth, and and you're struggling a bit to find like the the finer details of any telltale sign uh, at at this given moment. Damn. Okay. All right. I'll shift back. Do you head back to where you shifted from? Yes, I do want to appear. Sorry, I want to appear right where I was with okay. with Derson. Okay. You do that. I assume you pick up Smartboard, <laughs> scoop them up. Thank you for uh, never leave me. it. Yet. Yes, yes. I, I, I know you don't want to leave him behind again. Yeah. I look right into his eyes. I'm like, I will never leave you again. I'm so sorry. So you feel the pull of the gemstone, and you let it pull you back to the past, standing about in front of Darcent, where you were before. So, it worked, obviously. Oh, sorry, the clanking. Um, mm. Let's just say that's more work. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Darius definitely seems a little surprised to see oh. a loud uh, clanking of a rabbit <laughs> in your arms. Smartboard did come with you. He does seem to be here. That I don't want to break your game, but like that feels like I can bring people back and forth between the places. You certainly could try. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, so first I say, uh, sorry, this is this is Smargborg, Smargborg, Darison, Darison, Smargborg. Uh, Smargborg is just a lovely rabbit that I, I met, and uh, he, he's really good at fighting, so he's super helpful with that. Um, as for our investigation, um, one, the fact that I brought Smargborg here means I could probably bring you along with me back. Um, two, I quickly went to the temple entrance. Um, to just in case I wasn't able to shift back and forth again. Um, and I could see that the uh, one of the entrances that currently in this time has not been exploded, is exploded. Um, I am guessing that some explosion happened in our future where we are right now. So I I know that you've written about sort of the butterfly effect and how time restitches itself. Um, I don't know exactly how, whether we'd be able to prevent an explosion that has technically already happened in the future. Um, and I've also done a little bit of math on the timeline. Um, the, the trees outside, it looks like the uh, people stopped cutting down the trees about 200 years ago. So this town disappears 200 years ago from our present. And then you left 300 years ago. So that's a hundred years sort of gap where something happened to bring this town to the ground. Um, 
So that's all I got for now. Uh, I hope it helps. He nods. Uh, certainly could be that. I mean, I don't know that they're cutting trees down in the fields currently. I, I, I don't know how long it takes for different trees to spread and germinate uh, throughout areas. I mean, I could give you a summary if you'd like. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> And I assume you do that. <laughs> also, the dead cloak tree, and you know that that one, they, there's asexual reproduction, uh, so it, 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 it multiplies quite a bit quicker than on something like bronzewood, where there has to be cross pollination. And uh, <laughs> hmm. all right, well, I look at him really intently, <laughs> just like waiting for him. Yeah, he nods. Well, certainly if. This place is out of time at, at where it's at now, um, seemingly with no good way to get food. Things probably can't stay this way for that long. I don't know an exact time of when this explosion would happen. I, I feel like it might be sooner than a hundred years, but certainly that is a gap to work within. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a week to a hundred years. That's pretty good. Oh, wait. <laughs> For an elf, he's gonna like it's not that long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like in terms of narrowing things down historically, like this is probably just like a little blip. Okay, so your uh, the the pathway in was destroyed, so you had no good way to get in there now. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said before, um, the entrance is uh, there is there is a way in, and it is protected by. Uh, a woman named Mora. She has kind of been an elder to this area for a while, and it seems that her family line um, at some point has largely been in charge of protecting this temple, and uh, she was unwilling to uh, let us in the natural way. I'm sure we can we can persuade her. Uh, I, I mean, you're very persuasive. We can just make sure she sees reason. He gives a nod. Frankly, uh, in all of my attempts to persuade uh, her, it, it didn't work. Uh, she certainly is a hard one to convince, but uh, maybe you'll have better luck than I did. I, I very much doubt that, but thank you very much. <laughs> all right, well, uh, I can show you where she lives. Yes, let's go. He leads you along. Definitely, like, after everything you've told him, he does seem to just be like, the wheels are turning. <laughs> you can just tell, like, he is calculating everything as best he can. And, and trying I'm just to trying to out. grease the wheels yeah. as much as <laughs> yeah. possible. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to be the hero of this, like, investigation. <laughs> I just want him to figure it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the two of you head to one of the smaller homes in the village but it's not like just a shack <laughs> you know yeah. like it, it's nice it's well built nice mm. made of stone um uh, a, a good stone and and it seems well constructed and a comfortable place to live just just not massive and it's one of the only like non-wooden doors it's an uh a iron door to to the house which is a little odd comparatively but uh he walks up even though he says that I will have a better chance at this, I think I am, I definitely just don't believe that. And I just, like, I don't believe he thinks that. <laughs> and so I, I kind of, I'm behind him in, in this and expecting him to sort of take the lead. 
Yeah, he he steps forward and knocks uh, on the door, and it kind of clanks out. Mora, we need your help. We'll we'll be able to fix it. We just need you to help. And you hear a voice come from behind the door, saying, uh, "Go away. Thank you. Bye." <laughs> That's and, uh, very impolite. That that was so impolite. <laughs> Darison kind of gives like a <laughs> nod and shrug. Mora? Mora, is it? Hello? You see from the window, like uh, a face kind of pop up in the in the window open. And uh, you see it, it, an older woman. Um, how old are you, by the way? 20 years old. Okay, okay, yeah. You would assume, you know, a woman in her 50s, 60s, uh, she has kind of long gray hair, um, a few wrinkles around her lips. Uh, and you get the sense, like, giving her a quick glance, you're like, she probably would have a really warm smile if she didn't seem very mad <laughs> at, <laughs> at the two of us knocking on her door. And she kind of sticks her head through the window and says, who are you? I think that at this point, I looked to Darisant to try to figure out if he's going to say anything or if he really genuinely expects me to take this. Uh, he, roll, yeah, roll an insight check. Okay. Mm, that's a, a dirty one. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so bad. Uh, <sighs> he just isn't saying anything. He's, you kind of look for any sign of anything. You don't really read anything off of him, but he is not speaking okay. at the moment. I remember what I read from Darison to Jonfer, and I remember that sometimes you have to step up to the plate and just do things that you are not naturally good at and succeed at them <laughs> just do by doing the thing. Um, and so I sort of turned to Darison and I'm like, uh, just give me a moment. I'm going to do something. It's going to look a little weird, but don't worry about it. And I take off my headgear um, just to try to get as good of an insight on this woman as possible. Because to me, this is like, he's passed the baton to me. Mm -hmm. I really need to make a good impression. Uh, and so it's worth taking off my headgear and I'm assuming feeling the world suddenly come into terrible focus. Yes. Uh, roll a d20 for me. It's a seven. Seven. It's an odd transition as it moves forward, but you certainly are able to kind of ground yourself a bit so it doesn't necessarily cause you abnormal pain as you see everything come into this terrifying focus. Am I, did I take that damage, seven? No, you do not take damage. You succeed on this check, although you do feel like without like a fair amount of rest, uh, it may um, be harder on the next one. So the DC moves up, but yeah, you, you are good here. But yeah, um, why, why don't you describe what things are like for um, Sybil now? So the noise of sort of the insects and birds and, and the wind howl, even though it's 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 usually very much like attenuated and in the background for most people, it suddenly comes just blaring um, and at that terrible like alarm bell frequency, and people's 
features and clothes and everything about them becomes sharpened. Whenever people speak or just move around, just the, the sound of that is uh, something that registers for Sybil. Um, and then also just like the smells of a town, which are probably just like a bit of like manure and whatever mm-hmm. is used for crop. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it sort of wins her a little and she feels a little nauseated. Okay. I like the idea of this shot on her of noticing all these things and then you cut to the wide shot of just like silence of this quiet town. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, shit was town. <laughs> and uh, Mora just like looking at you like, what? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, certainly you, you are taking everything in in a very um, almost granular sort of way. Yes. What do you do? What are you trying to discern or what do you say or... I want like the mother of all insight checks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am looking for, I know I can't read minds with insight checks, mm-hmm. um, but I want to know what specific, specific feeling she has towards uh, Darisant and us being here. Like there's anger, but is there disgust? Is there fear? That kind of stuff i I feel like and and also direct the direction of that that anger maybe it's not towards darison but it's towards what's happening or or stuff like that so do you ask like a probing question to try to get a response of something oh i'll I'll ask her why won't you let us help okay uh yeah roll an insight check it's i mean it's a 17 which is pretty pretty good minus one wisdom yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh so she responds (laughs) saying because you are both outsiders, you do not know this place, and it has been on my family to protect the temple for centuries. And he has come in. This is my responsibility. It is my duty. And as far as your insight check, um, it seems like a mixture of a few things. Like, she seems, she holds resentment towards uh, Darisant because, like, I mean, from what you know of, like, they tried to get into the temple through the normal entrance, but she refused it. Mm-hmm. Like, he obviously still found a way. Uh, and she seems very upset about that, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that she couldn't really stop that. Because pretty much her control is over who gets through that door, <laughs> not who can cut through the earth. Um, right. It doesn't seem like she just has hatred, like blind hatred towards Darisant. It is very much like you can tell that she is frustrated that she sort of failed in her duty to keep people out of there, but he found a way around it. You can you can just putting that together from what you know of the situation and like her kind of tone towards him. Like, it's pretty clear. So it's anger towards herself. Like, she's angry at herself almost. Probably both. I mean, obviously, like, mad at this guy. You know, like, I think it's, (laughs) you get the sense of, like, mad at the person who did the thing that she thinks is bad. Mm. But also, like, powerless in stopping it, Mm. right? When it's been fine for so long. And under her watch, something seems to have happened. Yes. She seems to feel responsibility mm. and based on what has happened already does not trust Darisant to be responsible for this. I think I feel almost like physical pain when uh, 
like at the sharpness of the way that she articulates her consonants. It's mm-hmm. just very sort of rage and spite filled. And I think I see a little bit of spittle just come from her mouth mm-hmm. <laughs> in the air um, and just feel that rage, that very intense feeling of, of rage and responsibility and duty. Um, I say, Mora, you haven't failed. This isn't a failure. You have a valid duty. I understand your 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 the sense of responsibility you carry. Um, I too have a long family lineage of people who have done great things, and we carry that with us. But your responsibility to your family extends to your responsibility towards this community. Your family is and has been a part of this community. And right now, this community is, it's stagnating. You're not failing in your duty if you let us go through. You're performing your duty. Uh, roll, I'll give you advantage, so flat roll persuasion. Okay. This is not an easy DC, to be clear, but it was a very good speech. Oh, it's a 20. 20? Yeah. I will let you know the DC for this persuasion check was 20. Uh, Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> what's the shit. highest you can roll persuasion? What's your modifier for charisma? It's a one. Oh, wow. So you okay, okay. Pretty good, pretty Holy good. Holy shit. You had a 10% chance. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, she she looks at you and kind of looks at Darison as well um, and then back to you. Make sure nothing happens to this place. Fix whatever happened to it. Fix whatever went wrong please she steps away from the window and seems to like be going back in the room to get something you probably you would hear uh in in this space you're in you would hear the loud creak of a floorboard being pulled up the jangle of keys very loudly clattering against each other and then one moving into the lock and loud click uh, that almost just seems like it bashes against the side of your brain. Uh, and Can then, I just like, insert that like Smorgborg this whole time has been standing perfectly still because he doesn't want to overstimulate me. Like he he's so, yeah, he's really nice and he's just like, <laughs> like in frozen motion. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can, you hear the sound of something being lifted up and you can kind of hear the, almost like a hum coming from it as well. And then you hear the loud clank of her iron door being opened up and then I cover my ears yeah. and I, I try to I like, put the headgear on back actually yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> a little worried yeah. for myself uh yeah you put it back on and then it's silence uh as if it's okay. midway through uh Smorgborg then like just gives it like big shake like you know like, just as if <laughs> like a dog you just need it to be a sponge like clink, 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 clink. uh <laughs> And yeah, you see her holding a green sphere, um, bigger than the gem you have. Uh, and, 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 you know, obviously a sphere shape, but it does seem to be kind of of like a gemstone quality. It glows green. It's the size of that, the, the little indent I saw. That is about the exact size you would assume it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. You find a key, there always has to be a door. (laughs) And uh, she will hand it over to you. Okay. Um, I take it and I say, um, I think at this point, actually, recognizing how much she cares about this place, 
Um, and I'm sure having had my own doubts in the past about Darison, I feel like at this point, a little bit of doubt creeps in where I don't actually know if I'm doing right by this person. Mm. Um, and I, I take the orb and I, I, I think I, I, I sort of just, I don't like give a whole speech about like how we're going to do this well, which I usually would. I'd be like, Darison got this, you know, it's going to be totally fine. I, I just look her like, I look at her and I, I say, thank you so much. And I, there's like a lot of gratitude there because I actually don't know if I'm like mm-hmm. screwing her over. She nods and, uh, you can just see on her face, like very clearly, it's like this thing is happening to the town that no one understands. And she knows that she is in some way related to it and responsible to it because it involves her domain. And you can kind of just a sense of like resignation and not like relief fully, but like mm. maybe a little bit of relief. Yeah. Of like, I'm handing like relief and fear. <gasps> oh, like she's handing it. over the responsibility. Yes. Like it's not her. Yeah. It's not her anymore. Yeah. But still seems fearful of this idea that it won't work. But it, it, there's also this sense of like, mm-hmm. how can it get worse? Like yeah, the, the, the skies are gray. We, we physically can't seem to leave. All our crops are mm-hmm. dead overnight, you know, like, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, she senses your gratitude and nods and then without like lingering, because I think this idea of handing over the stone is most likely certainly foreign to her and hard for her. She just goes back inside. Yeah, of course. Of course. Darison says, well, very well done. Uh, it's, I, you know, you, you write a lot about, um, how some people, um, indulge and lean into how they're less effective in the world than other people. And that's been good for me, I think, because as you can see, I I kind of wear this most of the time, but your your writing and and what you've taught has given me the strength to sometimes take take this off and to feel the world more clearly um i don't want to hide from the world and i think you've helped me with that he gives a nod should we be going then yes and i like i take a big breath because <laughs> i've literally like i told like basically who i see as my father figure like the whole thing, my whole thing. Um, mm. And I really want him to be okay with it and improve my life choices. Yes. Uh, he does not give much of a response to <laughs> He starts walking towards where you know the entrance to be, seemingly trying to lead you, although you, mm. you found it on your own time. Mm. Um, and he does start like up conversation says, that was very well handled with uh, Mora. Uh, I'll be honest, it's been a while since whatever my first interaction with her was, at least for me. Um, And back in those days, I wasn't nearly as conscientious of other folks. It's been 300 years, so I've learned a fair bit. and glad to know that I've passed on uh, some of the wisdom I've learned to you, so you can learn it earlier than I did. It's it's not your fault. It's who could have known that she would have remembered that as if it had been a week. And 300 years would pass for you. Either way, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were there to work through it. I think she, because of however our interaction went, she most likely had a bit of a 
blind spot where I was concerned. Well, I'll let you lead the rest of the way, and I hope I can make more contributions like that one. I like how his logic is probably essentially like, well, even though she did it, she was only able to do it by quoting my writing. So in some ways... I was going to say, I was going to actually quote it to him. I was yeah. going to say, um, you're the one carving the ravine and I'm the one who's just building the boat to cross it. Yeah. <laughs> do you hold that quote to yourself though? Like, or does Sybil say it? I say it very sort of like shyly because I know that I'm doing like a very self, like sort of referential thing to the person yeah. who wrote this thing. So yeah. Uh, he doesn't seem to mind. He nods and says, you really have read it all, haven't you? Every single page. Couldn't be a better person to be here to help me figure this out then. I do not know what to say that. I just, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> The two of you, uh, the three of you, I suppose, uh, move along uh, and eventually find your way to, you recognize it to be the area, but now you see what uh, this door looked like in its prime. Uh, along that rock outcropping is what's really a massive stone door, about 20 feet wide and 20 feet tall, and uh, has an intricate winding pattern swirling all along this carved door. And at the center of it is a large groove, um, roughly the size <laughs> of this stone. I, I hand it to, to Darrenson. Uh, he takes it and seems like he kind of looks at it for a moment of like, Oh, this thing that eluded my <laughs> grasp so long ago. Uh, mm. Able to get now so easily. And uh, yeah, places it in. You see it shine and then the door <laughs> moves to the side. Um, and as the doorway is open, you see the light of the stone uh, kind of completely go out. It is still green, but it's no longer kind of shimmering in the way it was. Mm. Okay. What's in the room? As you look forward, it seems to be a passageway. Um, would you like to head in? I'm so scared, but yes, 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 yes. <laughs> are you are you holding Smartborg or is Smartborg hopping along? Uh, I think that now I don't mind the noise that he makes. I, I let Smartborg okay. hop. Yeah, the the three of you uh, <laughs> move <laughs> move along, um, and and yeah, you you head into this passageway, and it seems to be a somewhat long hallway uh, with a slight decline, uh, just enough where you can like feel it in your calves, but not so much that you're worrying about slipping or anything like that. Small gemstones are placed in the wall, uh, bringing light to your path even as you move away from the entrance and, and the natural light of the outside. Um, after a few minutes of walking, you see a brighter light ahead of you. What color? This one is a purplish light. Okay. Purplish light. Uh, the ones that I've come across have been blue and green, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I keep walking. You keep moving forward. And as you move uh, forward, you enter what is a much larger chamber, uh, or really kind of the first chamber you've come across is mostly you've just been in a hallway. You enter a large chamber. On the far side of the room, you see another stone door that looks almost identical to the one at the entrance. Um, making up the majority of the room, though, is what can best be described as uh, as a pit. Uh, it's roughly about 100 or so feet from one end to the other, uh, mm. cutting you off from the door on the other side. 
Hanging from a chain on the ceiling at the center of the room is a purple stone, uh, similar in shape and size to to the one that Mora gave you to get in through the entrance. And, and as you kind of look at where it's at, right next to where the chain is anchored on the mm-hmm. ceiling is a groove that is, again, similar to uh, the one that was on the front door. Oh, right next to it? Yeah, so you would see one next to it, and you would also... You're kind of far away from the door uh, that's on the other side of the room, um, but it does look to have a groove there as well. Mm, do I get the sense that this is sort of just the other way in? Because he used the other entrance, right? And then, uh, Yeah, you would not get the sense that... The, I mean, he didn't use an entrance. He, like, uh, had oh, okay. to dig a hole, like, in the ground. And then um, he didn't find anything. Or he didn't find this place. Okay, okay. He did not find this room. Yeah, yeah. He seems to have found something. Um, but you do not see like a hole in the wall <laughs> uh, that that he he would have created. Okay, okay, okay. This is just this is level one, and I have to <laughs> <laughs> I have to get to the next level. So first, I'm going to investigate uh, to see if you know Indiana Jones style a huge spherical rock is going to come from the ceiling and kill me if I take the the orb. <laughs> Uh, yeah, roll an investigation check. 16. 16. Uh, as you look around, like, you know, you look down in the pit, it seems pretty deep, at least given how the light is, you can't necessarily see the base of it. Um, you know, it's not like a super brightly lit area right now. Oh, well, Smorborg um, has dark vision, so I could get Smorborg to look down there. Yeah. <laughs> you. I mean, if you're a half-elf, you would have dark vision oh, as well. Oh, right. But okay. it's still like grayscale. You know, like you, you, mm. you, dark vision only goes mm. so far. Um, okay. But yeah, so so it's just, it, it seems pretty deep. Mm. And it, on the walls, no, it doesn't look like there's any, like, <laughs> just doing your, you know, your <laughs> glance and kind of touching the walls and whatnot. It doesn't seem like there's uh, a typical Indiana Jones boulder or even like holes <laughs> where darts might point out. <laughs> right, um, I missed the second thing that uh, <laughs> could be. <laughs> the orb, I mean, it's in the center of the room, so it's probably, it's about 50 feet away from you. And the ceiling is probably 30 feet above you. So it is a little bit a ways away. Okay, well, uh, I mean, this seems like a job for Mage Hand. <laughs> so you said it's 50 feet away from me? It, roughly, yeah. Did you choose that specifically because Mage Hand has a range of 30 feet? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know the range of Mage Hand off the top of my head. Okay, uh, then how is it hanging? Like, can you describe the contraption? So there's like a chain anchored into the ceiling that hangs down probably about like 20 feet or so. And the chain is then wrapped around this orb uh, or attached to it. Um, It's just kind of hanging in the center of the room. Let me know if I can do this. Um, I want to use catapult, which has a range of 60 feet to launch it, uh, to launch the object into that groove, the, the orb into that groove. The one in the ceiling? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's yes. probably, yeah. Uh, roll a d20 for me. Pretty much, pretty much you have a high likelihood of success based on your character. Uh, but I think you need, there needs to be some chance, like at least a one doesn't get it. What'd you get? Uh, can I add my attack? <laughs> um, well, yeah, you can add, um, your spellcasting modifier. 
Okay. That would be 10. That's enough. Okay. You are able to aim it in a precise line straight up and it catapults uh, towards that groove. As it gets close, you find like it doesn't impact it in the way you might think it would, right? Like you'd almost expect it to hit, but like as it gets there, it seems almost like some field around it like pulls it in uh, in a gravitational mm. way almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, holds it in place. Uh, as soon as that happens, a purple bridge of light uh, appears across um, this pit from one side to the other. Can I touch the bridge to see if it's solid? Uh, yeah. You uh, okay. put a foot down and it seems to hold your foot. Okay. Uh, I use mage hand as a cantrip to like walk a hand across the bridge just to see if it triggers anything. <laughs> uh, the hand seems to move along just fine. Okay. I tell Darius and, okay, I'll take this first and then I walk across. You have never walked on light before. But it's a pretty cool sensation. It's not necessarily the most firm foot plants. Um, it almost feels like walking on like a muddy ground, you know, like your foot sinks a little bit. Mm. And, you know, when you know you have the weight of the earth beneath you normally, you don't think twice about it. <laughs> but as yeah. you're looking and kind of see your foot sink, it, it feels a little odd. But yeah. it does support It does support you and, and you're able to walk across. Okay. Uh I looked at Arison because it's, I'm not going to tell him what to do. <laughs> yeah, he uh, gives a nod uh, and also seems impressed by your spell casting uh, ability uh, and oh. follows behind you. He doesn't even like second guess walking on the light. <laughs> he just <laughs> steps on it and goes for it. All right. Uh, is the door open yet, actually? I forgot. Uh, the door, nothing happened with the door. Uh, mm. the, the light bridge came, but the door is closed. So... Are there any other grooves? As you get up to the door, you do notice that there is a definite groove uh, in the center similar to the one at the front. Okay, so green green orb. I. Oh, uh, the green orb, you never took that out of the other door. What? <laughs> it was still in it. it, it was it take out a bowl? You could go check. I'll send Smorgborg to check. Uh, yeah, Smorgborg hops away. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you want to do in the time where he's gone? Is the size of the groove the same as sort of the other crystals? It seems roughly about the same size as the spheres, yeah. As in the blue, was it the blue one? Those are more like jaggedy crystals where these are, other ones are spheres, uh, and, and this seems for the spheres. Okay, so there's no other spare spheres, but it's about the same size mm -hmm. as those. Okay, okay, sorry. Knowing this is magic, I'll still try in the time that Smorkborg is gone to like use my artificer tools to make something the size of that groove just in the hopes that maybe it's like a, it's more of a key situation on a magic force field situation. Okay. Roll a tinkerer's check. Okay. That would be a 23. 23. Uh, yeah, you're able to make uh, just out of some things you have uh, <laughs> on your person, something that's roughly the same size as the sphere <laughs> that you... Uh, <laughs> try to place in, but nothing happens. And by the time that you're done with that, Smargbarg comes back, you hear his clanking and doesn't have an orb with him or anything. <laughs> uh, just kind of gives like a... Okay, I'll, I take the purple orb and out of the bridge light groove and put it in this groove. 
So that it's in the ceiling. So it's like 30 feet. 30 feet. I use my chance. So you would need to be on the bridge right below it to be within range. <gasps> no. From where you are now on the other side, you're probably back to about 50 feet because it's right in the center of the room. So if you want to pull it out, you you are you would have the range to do it, but you would have to be standing on the bridge. Hmm. Is it possible to have Smartborg like ho- like hold me as I like plank out and like reach out my hand to uh, spell cast? <laughs> you no? still would be too far away. I mean, because because you are like on one side, right? You're like fifty feet mm. on the side that you're on. You're about fifty feet away from where this orb is. Okay, I'll use catapult. I'll use catapult to get it to the other groove. So the chain doesn't necessarily seem long enough, right? This is this is attached to a chain in the center of the oh. room that's on the ceiling. Um, so you could tr- try, but it does. Mm. it is attached to a chain. Damn. And I'm just thinking about the way that this place is, like, constructed. Like, is this a place that people are supposed to get to and from really quickly? And if so, they probably wouldn't take it off of the chain every single time and put it back on the chain. Like, there has to be, you know, like an employee card. You just scan it <laughs> and you get in. And nothing is broken. Can I do an investigation check on that groove just to give me any hints? Which one? The groove that I think opens the door. Yeah, you can roll investigation. Nine. Uh, I mean, nothing about it necessarily clues you in. You get the sense that <sighs> an orb probably needs to be placed here uh, in order to open it. If I take off my headgear again, can I re-roll the investigation check? Yes. Okay. I'll turn to Darison again and I'll say, those who appreciate opportunity will be determined, but only those who appreciate pain will be successful. And I know that he understands what I mean by that. And I take off my helmet. Roll a d20 for me. Mm-mm. I don't know if high is good or, is, or low is good, but it's a four. Uh, low is bad. <laughs> oh. But the DC at this point is still really low, uh, you know, okay. as, as it kind of builds up. The DC currently is three so you do succeed although now the dc moves up again to four so don't roll that again uh (laughs) and yeah uh you can roll another investigation check so you have avoided damage again from from this transition i roll a 12 12 you can hear darison's breathing uh that (laughs) that seems a little harsh and loud smorgborg has gone back to like the very quiet stage. You do hear the clank of the chain still kind of swinging after your catapult, even all this time later, and the hum of the gemstone in the ceiling, even though it is all pretty far away, you are hearing those noises. Uh, You take a very close look, and you feel like you're there for a little while. What I'll say is because the roll is not super, super high, you're choice is you can either chalk it up to a loss um, or you feel like if I can just look at it long enough, but you do fear that looking at it for a long time might exert some more strength, which maybe will lead to another roll. <laughs> but only those who appreciate pain will be successful. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I just, I steal myself and mm-hmm. I take another closer look. I really wish that Darisent wouldn't stand so close and breathe that loud. Yeah. Um, but I would never tell him to move away. <laughs> so I just sort yeah. of like, this is really terrible and annoying, but I'm just going to keep doing this. And I try to focus back in on the grooves and the texture of the, I'm guessing, stone. 
Mm-hmm. You hear him, you know, reach his arm up, his clothes just kind of uh, rubbing against themselves, and then him scratch his neck, and it's just like, <laughs> like just the loudest thing you've ever heard. Uh, but you take a little bit longer look. Uh, you do have to make another roll here as, as you're That's spending fair a enough. fair yeah. bit of time investigating this. So make another D20 roll. That's an 18. 18. So that's a success. The DC, though, is now five uh, for these checks, but you do not take damage for it. Uh, As you're looking over it, uh, you can see that it doesn't, like, looking at this groove, it hasn't necessarily been, it's not super worn, you know? Uh, (laughs) It's not necessarily, you don't get the sense that people have used this super, super frequently. Um, But you do notice, like, small little Bits of residue along the groove seem to be purple in hue. Mm. Not a lot of it, but just enough where, yeah, seems to be some purplish residue in there. It's very small and pretty much you might be one of the few people <laughs> who have the sensory ability to, to be able to pick up on it. But yeah, you do notice right, it. Right, like tiny, tiny little grains. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like move around and the light probably catches very mm-hmm. slightly for a second. And blinds you almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I go like, oh God. And then what I see as I, I sort of move to the right position that it's sort of purplish, I, I put my headgear back on, breathe a sigh of relief. I think I'll do one more detect magic around the area just to see if there's any other purple orb using ritual casting and just seeing like, yeah, like walking around, pacing around the room, just seeing if there's any sort of orb-like detect magic uh, form. Yeah, yeah, you you take the 10 minutes to do so. Uh, Darison does kind of look at you oddly (laughs) a bit, but but also not even needing to roll an insight for this. Uh, You have proven yourself capable to him almost uh, immediately, you know? So he is seemingly willing to wait and it doesn't necessarily look like he has a better idea for any of it (laughs) or or a good way to figure things out. So he does seem to be okay waiting for your cue and not getting too impatient. But I'm like uh, slightly disappointed that he doesn't know anything i'm like i really expected him to handle this um Mm -hmm. and it's kind of strange that neither random uh like kid is doing this and yeah as detect magic goes you just kind of walk the length of the room i assume Mm -hmm. so things you would sense as you walk along the bridge clearly magic uh (laughs) and as you you would get within 30 feet of the orb as you pass below it uh that orb also seems to be magic the purple one that you catapulted into the groove. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're by the door, you would also notice some uh, enchantment magic on the other side of the door mm. within about 30 feet of you. Right, but nothing else. Yeah, yeah, no, no other orb. Nothing else. Okay. Yeah, no other orb. Did I get a sense that the catapult would work to bring it? It would have to break from the chain. Mm, okay, okay. How close is the bridge to the orb? It, how, how much of a reach is it? Before you catapulted into it, the... Mm-hmm. Orb hung down about 20 feet, and it was attached to the chain. So the chain hangs about 20 feet. So currently with it in, the chain is probably, you know, in like a U shape, right? Mm. Uh, About 10 feet uh, from the ceiling. So if you were on the bridge below it, you would be 20 feet below the chain. Can I try to lasso the chain with a rope? (laughs) Uh, You certainly could, yeah. Okay. Would that be a sleight of hand? Yes. Yeah, I think sleight of hand is the best thing to go with that. (gasps) That's a 21. 
21. Uh, yeah, so you take a rope and throw it over the chain. It kind of uh, wraps around the, you know, U-shape it's making. Do you pull on it or? Uh, is it is it wrapped tightly enough that it would sort of hold onto the chain? You get the sense, like you, you have lassoed it well. It seems wrapped around the chain. If okay. you pulled it, the chain would move. Yes, and then I pull. Okay, yeah. Uh, you, you pull on it and it pulls the orb out from... The crevice. Are you where are you standing when you're doing this? Uh, I guess at the edge of the bridge. Okay, so so not on the bridge, but like on the solid stone. Yeah, yeah, not okay. on the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You you pull on it, and uh, the chain moves. It yoinks the circular stone out of the crevice and starts swinging along. The chain is still anchored to the ceiling, mm. uh, but you do have it attached to the rope, so you feel like you can kind of move it around. Well, I've gotten it closer, right? I've gotten the, the rope closer. I mean, closer. as you pull, yeah, you, you are able to pull the chain. So where it is in relation to the door is the full length of the chain. Okay. So 20 feet. So, yeah. So it should be close enough to me now that I can use Mage Hand to take it out. Yeah. That math right? checks that out. That math math. It's diagonal um, now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> okay. So you use Mage Hand. Mm-hmm. You haven't necessarily had the best look at it. It does seem to be very wrapped in the chain. It's not like an easy like pluck out necessarily. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll have a suppose your mage hand roll a sleight of hand check. And that's my stats? I think so. It's your mage hand, right? Oh, God. It's a seven. The chains are tight to it. You get the sense like Fuck. that while this might not be the most impossible thing in the world, there's you might have to find a different path to it um, to get the orb to the door. Can I do an investigation on the base of the chain just to figure out if that area has been tampered with repeatedly or on the chain itself just to see has this chain been severed before? I'd say that you're probably a bit too far to do that normally. I just have to be there. Are you expecting me to dive into the pit? No, no. I mean, <laughs> you may have another way to get a better sense of it. Pretty much, if you take your helmet off, you would probably be able to God make a check that it. would have a chance of, oh. of doing it. From where you are, an investigation check would be hard because you're not, like, right up on it. Okay. It doesn't kill you, <laughs> makes you stronger, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, I turned to Darison again, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. Uh, and I, like look extremely determined to do this. Um, and so take my helmet off again. Um, I'm probably at this point feeling so tired and like sort of uh, like trembly. Um, and I probably, I take that D20. Yes. Yeah. Roll the D20. 15. Sweet. Success. The DC is now six. Okay. What can I see with that chain? And then, uh, Roll an investigation check. 17. As you look where the anchor is, you see that there does seem to be some sort of like lock mechanism on it. Mm. Not really for a key. It seems more like there might be a code on there uh, that someone could enter that might detach it. You have no idea like really where to start (laughs) on that, but you get the sense like how someone might do it. Roll an intelligence check. That's a 17. Yeah. In general, as, as you think through it, like 
a place like this existing and like just the kind of tech around it in a magic bridge, you get the sense whoever built this was very magically inclined uh, and understood magic well and probably had certain ways to uh, circumvent issues like, you know, some, you know, some people with magical capabilities have the spell fly, you know, where <laughs> they don't even need to worry about a light bridge. That's um, true. So, so you kind of get the sense like these things are mostly so the people around here don't just stupidly stumble into it uh, who don't have much magical ability. Um, for those who built it, who you assume have very, very strong magic, you know, things like this would not be much of a challenge because uh, they, they have the toolkit for it. So, you know, just kind of putting those things together, you get the sense that that's how people have done it, although you don't necessarily have the knowledge of, you know, whatever that code might be on that lock. Okay. I need to get close enough. Definitely. I don't think I have anything to do that. Is there any, are, are there any, like, grooves on the wall where I think I could use a, a, a rope to get myself up there? Right now, no. So, essentially, I have to get on the bridge, is that it? Like, to get as close as I can? I mean, the bridge is gone now. The bridge uh, vanished when oh, right, we pulled okay. the stone out. Mm. Because, so, I think I understand that I have to be close enough so that I can turn the lock mechanism and essentially feel where the clicks sound a little bit different. And because of my sensory sensitivity, I should be able to really uh, isolate any uh, slight difference in sound. Um, so, but I'd have to be close enough, I think, to do something like that. Um, yeah, and currently it does not seem like there is any good way to do that. Okay, well, I think I've been really fucking stupid this whole time because I literally haven't used the tools in front of me. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shift in time. Okay. Uh, yeah, you think, shift in time. I think character-wise, <laughs> um, Sybil is really used to solving problems with her tool set. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, it's what she's used to. It's what she's trained on. And so she was like, I am going to run through every possible thing that I can physically do before trying new stuff that I can't really define yet. Also, you'd prefer to do it in front of Darison, right? Like, exactly. Like, exactly. Like, exactly. You don't want to fucking solve stuff yeah. when Darison's not looking. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, and I put you, my headgear back on like a long time ago. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Having put your headgear back on, looking through, Darison seems to kind of be studying around, trying to. Try, I mean, you know, also interested in seeing what a solution may be mm -hmm. here um, mm -hmm. and kind of thinking it over and sees you pull out the stones and he nods and says, all right, well, best of best of luck with that. And uh, yeah, you feel the tug as you get pulled back um, and, and you find yourself in a large chamber. <laughs> it's a much darker and there's no big purple hue shining through the room anymore. Uh, there is still light here. A uh, few cracks in the ceiling allow thin shafts of light to kind of creep into the mm. chamber. Uh, like everywhere else in Amble Held, nature has reclaimed much of the room, uh, leaving a lot of the walls covered by foliage. Um, on, on your side of the room, you still, you know, stone door is still there, still intact. Um, and you see in the center of the room, Hanging from the ceiling is a chain 
that seems to have been snapped in half. Mm. Um, next to where the chain is, is a little groove. Uh, that seems to be largely the same. So the orb is in the um, bridge groove, or where's the orb? Uh, the, the orb, you do not see the orb at all. The orb does not seem to be here, but you do see the chain is snapped in half. Half of it is still hanging from the ceiling, but the other half, uh, you do not see it. Okay. Oh, and I assume that I left the sort of the rope with Darison's, just like holding on to the rope wherever oh, I grabbed um, the thing. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, the rope is not uh, here at present. You do not see it. But back in the past, he still holds yes, on. Yes, okay. you, you left it in the past. Mm-hmm. Taking a quick look, it seems like where you had the rope wrapped around was further down than where the chain broke, you know? So mm-hmm. if the chain broke and the rope had been attached, it it would have fallen. Oh. Oh, okay. You uh, also, <laughs> uh, where you are currently, would see your rabbit's armor kind of set to the side and um, a pile of bones that seem to be about rabbit-sized uh, and then, like, yeah, the the skeleton of a elf. Elf or half elf? Of an elf. Do I get the sense that these cheekbones are derisant sized? The skeleton looks exactly the same as the one that you found the crystal on uh, before. And I'm nowhere to be seen because I left that moment technically. Um, but the thing is severed. How come? So, but this suggests that, like, the, the way that this is laid out, it suggests that. This was an unsuccessful attempt. I should check, actually, is it, uh, are they dead from sort of decay and, and, and time going uh, by? Well, you would kind of notice, like, it seems like the Smargbarg is kind of more of like a pile of bones and not a skeleton. Um, mm. Where where Darisent is a skeleton. There doesn't, again, yeah. I mean, you can roll a medicine check if you want. Yeah, just to, like, I want to know if there's a big boulder from this guy that killed them, you know? Oh, it's 15. You look over it. It doesn't seem like anything too odd. You kind of almost get the sense. Uh, I mean, you're not like a doctor. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't seem like any like it doesn't seem like it was blown up. Uh, it doesn't seem. I can't get a sense of, of, of what the pile was produced by the pile of bones. I mean, you know that the pile of bones seems to all be rabbit uh, bones. Uh, and I don't get a sense of what scattered them, uh, you know, rather than leaving a skeleton. Um, I mean, it seems like a neat pile of bones, neat. almost as if it had been like placed. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. Pile of rabbit bones. I write in my notebook. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I'll shift back just to have some sort of comparison for what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Uh, you shift back and you see Darison kind of, uh, you know, looking at the door closely and, um, Smorgborg has kind of been seemingly anxiously waiting for you to come back. Mm. Um, the room looks pretty much the same as you left it. Uh, Darison has made sure that the rope hasn't like swung out into the middle, you know, to, to make sure it's still over. But yeah. Can I slide down the rope lower so that I can cut it on higher? So, so you want to climb the rope, get to the chain. Well... I wasn't thinking about it like that, but now that you say it, um, can I, can I, can I, uh, um, anchor the rope with some, like, uh, whatever, uh, tinkerer's tools I have to just sort of, um, make a, 
I don't even know what those are called, like a rock climbing kind of pick that you you dig it into the ground and it keeps yeah, the rope sure. really, really tight. Roll a tinkering check. <gasps> I got a nat 20. Awesome. Yeah. You make a very secure thing on the rope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I sh- that should be really sturdy to, to climb up. So I- I'll try to climb up. Um, first, I want to see if I can get the the orb out of the rope. And then if that doesn't work, then I'll climb a bit higher and go to examine the lock contraption. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you, you get it pretty sturdy into the ground uh, using like a pitten and a, and a few other things to keep it in there. Wait, I take um, out all the books from my, from my like pockets <laughs> because I'm like, that, that's not, that's not wise. And I'm, yeah. and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm in a nice, neat little nice pile. You're shimmying up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Roll an athletics check. Ah, no, that's not good. Um, do I get advantage because the the thing the tinkering was so good? N- n- no, <laughs> it just makes sure it doesn't like come undone. And, right. And, uh, so that's a four. Four. Yeah. So I mean, as you start to like kind of lift yourself up, you know, trying to do like a shimmy across, you're like reminded that this is very much not your skill set. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you have some physical, ab- <laughs> some physical ability, but climbing up uh, is definitely tough. You like kind of pull yourself up and you're like, maybe if I was having a good day, I could make this. And you're certainly like, I could try again, but you do kind of look at like the distance you would have to climb um, and shimmy across. And then also trying to do things like undo a lock and, or, or try to, pull this thing out while hanging and and it definitely would be like that would be quite hard Mm. so uh, like the safer thing would be to go back and then the it would but does it seem possible um i mean right i i i think like you pretty much pull yourself up (laughs) like you're trying (laughs) to do a pull up (laughs) and like you know this rope and chain are, are it's pretty out but like it still is moving and you probably would like not feel super comfortable going up so i'm gonna say like you're not really climbing it at the moment with a four (laughs) unfortunately uh it's like not really enough to pull yourself up you get you get the idea that someone could probably do it in this world is that someone you who knows Uh, is it uh limber silver fox there <laughs> you know uh you know in <laughs> i mean that might be something civil suggests uh, <laughs> uh i i, I turned but... down like i know that you do a lot of lacrosse or whatever lacrosse is in this world. <laughs> um i i mean i think that maybe you 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 you'd uh have a better success at this than i would hmm. um you know i'm I, I may not look all that old, but I have a few centuries of age, and, and climbing these sorts of things uh, doesn't seem all that wise at this point. If, if there's no other option, I'll, I'll consider it, but uh, until then. Yes, of course, of course. Hmm. It's cut. Why would it be cut? Because if I cut it, it's going to fall to the ground. Um. I, okay, this pit. I feel like I don't trust this pit. Like, the pit maybe uh, is actually not that out of a pit um can i like just throw a random item down into the pit sure uh like a coin or something yeah 
You toss a coin. Roll it just an intelligence check. Okay. Ten? Yeah, it seems to be around a 60-foot drop, and that would make sense as, like, that's kind of the edge of your vision, mm-hmm. um, which is why it would seem still kind of dark down there. 60-foot drop. Let's see. So I can't actually go down there because for very, very good, obvious reasons. I, I think I asked Harrison, um, so what I saw in the next, in, in the future is mm-hmm. I saw you and Smorborg killed by something and I was wonder and I saw that the chain severed and so I was wondering according to the research that you've done do you know if it's possible for and I wasn't there by the way um do you know if it's more likely that breaking the chain was translated into the future as you guys being dead um just because of uh, maybe temporal determinism where you guys are standing there and so the future sort of predicts what will happen but it's not actually necessarily accurate um or do you think that if i break the chain we will all most certainly die he gives a he like thinks it over very thoughtfully uh as someone who doesn't want to die yeah (laughs) um hmm well it's possible that the breaking of the chain my guess would be when when you were there in the future wasn't necessarily related to actions we did. If, if you know, you've seen Amble held, you were there, I was there as well. It's been broken down and things rust and things break uh, as time goes on on their own. So that could be unrelated to something we did. My guess is if you saw our skeleton, it was because when you moved to the future, we had no way to get out. Mm. as the bridge was no longer there. So we would have been stuck on this side with no way to get across and uh, I assume eventually would have starved to death Mm. without you coming back. Obviously now you have come back, which would change what that future may be now. But as you hadn't at that point, this is where we would have um, perished. You're so good at this. He gives a smile. (laughs) (laughs) So I I shouldn't focus too much on the, the chain being severed, I don't think. Was the orb there no it wasn't huh. i think i'll cut it and catapult it and i have other stuff that i will do uh, in, as a last resort if that doesn't work okay how are you cutting it i am going to use a crossbow okay <laughs> you certainly can try i mean that's a 22 all right uh, you are able to hit the chain um roll damage 14 piercing damage it hits it really hard, uh, and you can see part of the chain like chip away uh, as metal on metal, uh, and just the perfect shot hits it. It has not completely severed. Uh, you get the sense if you can hit that spot again, uh, it wouldn't take much. Or it's certainly like where pulling before was like, you know, you needed to be a barbarian, right? If you right. <laughs> like when you were okay. pulling before, like that's barbarian shit. But now, like it does seem a little weaker, so okay, yeah, a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Then I, I, I pull on the rope, which I assume is attached to the lower part, not the higher part of the the. It, it is. It is in fact. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, roll a strength check. Oh God, Sybil. That's that's a two. <laughs> two. Uh, you you keep pulling, and you've been at it for a while. You're getting a little tired. It just seems a little hard. Uh, 
okay, then... Do you feel like you'd have a better shot some other uh, path to it? Yeah, then I'll just use the crossbow again, if that's possible. Yeah, you can uh, roll the hit. That's a 21. Uh, 21 will hit. 10 piercing. It hits not necessarily the exact same spot, but definitely the same link in this, you know, this thick link. And it breaks away and... uh, falls the chain kind of falls down into the pit uh and you see the orb kind of swing down with it as well but it is caught by your rope that you have set up oh my god okay then we pull it up yeah you're able to pull it up and i use the orb and i put it in the groove yeah you feel it kind of be pulled in even still with the chains on it uh and the door moves open i think at this point i feel sort of silly and bad because uh you know i was i think darison can very much tell that i was trying to show off with like all my random magic stuff and i'm like i'm like beating myself up a little bit because i remember that darison has written a lot about not being so up your own ass with fancy magic elitist stuff that you can't just do a good day's hard work and like, you know, really like go at it with your two hands. Uh, And so I'm like, damn, I wish that I had thought of using just like my basic physical form to, to, to solve the puzzle rather than doing all this like fancy magic stuff. An honest day's work. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And on a, I mean, that probably took me a day, but it wasn't an honest day's work. <laughs> mm. Okay. I guess I go in. As the doorway opens and you step forward, you enter a room with stoned floors and walls. It's a, it's a fair bit smaller than the last, but still, you know, a sizable enough room. Uh, across it is another door, at the center of which seems to be the same kind of groove that you've seen um, on these other doors so far. Standing in front of it, however, is what you would recognize, I think just in general with what you have read about knowledge you know, and especially as an artificer, you would recognize this as a construct. Although the ones you've learned about uh, through your readings have been far less wild in their make. Mm. Uh, It stands about eight feet tall. It's lean, as a lean and twisted combination of root metal and magic. Roll an arcana check. Mm -hmm. 17. You know, where where a lot of constructs, you know, all of them have some sort of core that kind of brings them to life. You've seen, you know, things made out of metals and and clay uh, and and even, yes, wood and things like that. But most of them seem to be things built that then are brought to life. Uh, This looks almost as if it was once like a living thing. You'd kind of guess like a treant, uh, but like a young one, a smaller one, not like a massive Mm -hmm. uh, 20-foot treant. But you get the sense that this was almost like a living thing at one point that had been modified to become a construct by Mm -hmm. having a core placed within it and, and metal plated around it. Mm -hmm. You've done some experiments with construct-adjacent magics in the form of uh, Sparkbark's armor, but with that, it's still always been separate from him. Um, You found, like, the runes that make it possible for the armor to react to his movements and even some thoughts, Uh, but it is still very much something he could be removed from, um, where that does not seem to be the case with the construct in front of you. In the center of its chest sits an orb that glows red. What looks to almost be like a chest plate surrounds the orb. As it turns to you, 
what seems to be some sort of shutter on the chest plate closes, uh, hiding the orb, but you can still see a bit of the glow coming out from it. I'm, I'm not super familiar with contra- constructs. Uh, are they sort of intelligent? Do I see some humanity there? You would know that constructs, uh, any intelligence they have is typically given to them by what has created them. Uh, the answer is typically not much um, with it. You do not necessarily sense anything with it. As you kind of stand there, you see it move its arms to its side and then kind of move towards you in what you would see as a threatening manner. <laughs> um, I'm going to have you roll initiative. I, I saw that coming. Um, all right. Uh, that's a seven, I think. Seven. Okay. You act first. Oh, wow. Okay. I think I am going to use heat metal on the construct. On the chest plate where it is? Yeah. Like, I'm not exactly sure how the construct is constructed, but maybe if I can make it painful enough for the construct to have that chest plate there covering the orb, the construct will just remove it. All right. uh, Then you do 2d8 damage to it. Five. Uh, yeah, you see it take some damage. Uh, it definitely seems in pain, but uh, not to the point where it's necessarily trying to rip off this chest plate. Uh, you get the sense that like, it is sort of built into it, so the threshold of which it would need to pass uh, in terms of pain, right? To just <laughs> literally take a own own yeah, thing off. Probably have to be pretty. It, I mean, not impossible, but but definitely it would take uh, more more than just once. Um, certainly. Okay. Uh, next up is Darisent, who uh, you see he kind of just ducks around back into the last room uh, around the corner. <laughs> Wait, I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna use wording. Uh, Fuck. <laughs> And then next up is uh, the construct who is, you see it just moving very fast, uh, like almost freakishly so, and it just zooms towards you. And as it's heading towards you, you see its chest plate is red hot and, and the door opens as it's moving towards you and it shoots an energy blast at you. That kind of looks like a firebolt. Does an 18 hit you? Uh, I use shield. Okay, sweet. It bounces off uh, <laughs> of you. Uh, and as soon as the shot kind of comes out, you see uh, the door close. And then he is going to come over and then take two swings at you. The first one is a 19 to hit. So you had to use shield. So what's your AC normally? Oh, God. It's 14. 14 plus 5. So the 19 will hit. Wow. Okay, okay. So you take uh, five points of bludgeoning damage as one of its arms hits you. Um, can I just then, use, uh, can I use something else? Or actually, ooh, I use my reaction. I don't you only know get if I one this, reaction, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and then another 19, so that will also hit. Ooh. And that one, oh, that one does 11 damage. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and when does heat metal, it's bonus action on your turn that you could use, yes. right? but it is still hot. I do think you have to make a concentration check. So a constitution save and throw. Mm. I think you have to make two of them. That's a 13 and a 15. Uh, both those work. You still have concentration. Is it is it my uh, Smorgborg's turn? Yeah, we'll say Smorgborg goes on your action. So Smorgborg can have two actions in a row right now because uh, I didn't give him a fair shot the last <laughs> one. If I grapple 
uh, the construct, would I have some sort of a sort of advantage to take out the orb? Well, currently, the thing you would need to grab towards is very hot, and the door is closed. I would say it'd certainly be easier to try to grab it if you were grappled, I suppose, but it'd be hard to grapple it because it is a bigger thing than you two. Okay, um, so it's Smorgbrook's turn still. I'll do, I'll just do a straight up attack, two straight up attacks. Okay. That's 18 plus. That'll hit. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. That'll hit. Cool, 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 cool. Usually, uh, usually that 18 will hit. Okay. <laughs> or else you're fighting something very I didn't know how strong scary. you made though. Seven damage. Uh, yeah, you seem to be hitting it, and it's certainly taking some damage, but definitely, like, its speed and strength feel pretty overwhelming in this moment. As in, I don't think it, I could beat it? I mean, when you look at the damage you've taken versus how damaged it looks, you feel like it is outpacing you, for sure. Mm. Uh, I will attempt the grappling. With, with Smart Grug? Mm. All right, uh, roll an athletics check. Mm. That's not good. That's a nine. Yeah. Um, so, like, Smargrug's best bet here, uh, you know, in in its armor, big mm. old armor, would kind of be, like, wrapping around the leg, sort of, like, and trying to grab it, you know, mm. and hold it in places and, like, weigh it down. Mm. Uh, like, almost like a snake kind of wrapping <laughs> around. And it tries to do that, but it just pushes it to the side. Okay. Uh, and, and seems quite focused on you. Mm. Uh, so is it my turn uh, again, or...? It is your turn again, yeah. I'm going to try to hit specifically that door, like the hinges on that door, to try to knock it off. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's still a short sword. Uh, do you want to try it with a short sword? Uh, do I get a sense that something else might work better? Um, roll an intelligence check. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that one. Yeah. Uh, that's a seven. Uh, you don't necessarily know that something would work better. You do, like, feel good that the metal is heating up, which is probably making it a little more malleable. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll, I'll use bonus action to get that 2d8 at least first. Uh, yeah, go for it. That's five. Yeah. Uh, you see it kind of go red again, making a fair amount of uh, heat generate off of it. Doesn't necessarily seem to be bothering it in the sense of needing to pull it off, uh, but it, it definitely does make the metal look more malleable. Okay. I'm going to use uh, now blur on myself. Okay. So that uh, they have disadvantage on all attack rolls against me. That's a very good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, blur might be concentration though, right? Oh, fuck. Well, you know what? Like the metal wouldn't instantly turn cold, but it would you would stop getting the damage from it. I'll do that because I think that right now I need to survive first and then we'll figure everything else out. So I'll, I will cast blur. I'll end the heat metal spell. Okay. You cast blur. So that's you. It is now the constructs turn. He does not get his blast back. It seems to be recharging uh, as the thing is closed. Mm -hmm. I think as you're in front of it and he kind of kicked Smartbark to the side, he's just going to take two swings at you. Probably for the best, though, with disadvantage. Uh, first is an 11 to hit, which will miss. Second is a 10. So both of those oh, miss. Awesome. Okay. Just, <sighs> it kind of like looks at you and looks at its hands. <laughs> then... <laughs> 
uh, back at you. Okay. I'm gonna use Branding Spider as a bonus action, um, which means that my attack should deal an extra 2d6 damage the next time. So even if I don't hit this time, at least the next time I'll hit it. This is also concentration. As a, yeah, it is a, it's a <gasps> second level spell. Everything's oh, concentration. God. I oh, thought no. I this character so well because they had so many good <laughs> things that they could do. Oh yeah, that's the thing with having good things a character can do is unfortunately you can use one at a time. Jesus Christ! I don't want to leave Smorgberg here while I go explore the future. Is my problem? Well, you know that if you go to the future, Smorgberg, uh, in some sense, dies no matter what. Uh. You know, so. <laughs> Also, what I'll say is uh, when you had transported uh, in the future and were there for a while, uh, you didn't necessarily ask how long Darison had been waiting, but he was in the exact same spot uh, when you had come back, you mm. know, like as if nothing had much had changed. Mm. I really wish I'd tested that. We have clocks. We could have done this. <laughs> I'll just take a swing on um, having, having sort of imbued my short sword with... Uh, some magical light. I will use that to take a swing at the bolts on the metal door on his chest. Okay. Uh, this will raise the AC slightly as you're aiming for like a very specific spot, mm. um, but does not make it impossible. It just makes it a little bit harder. Okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, roll, roll to hit. That is 22. 22. Uh, that hits. Uh, roll roll damage. Okay, so that is 12 piercing damage. That's just the short sword. Um, and then the light sort of uh, glows a bit brighter and provides an extra impact. And that would be 10. So 10 plus... 22. Yeah, 22. That's a lot of damage. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> you bring your sword back and just swing it. The, the metal is not in a spot where it's doing active damage, but it's still hot. You know, it had two just blazing rounds. So it is more malleable than normal. Mm. And you just swing at the spot. You're kind of like looking over, you know, you, you're you always in awe of, you know, various constructs and uh, mechanical things in general. Uh, so you kind of aim at what you think would be the weak spot to just destroy this shutter. Mm. Um, and yeah, you you hit it to the spot where it just like seems to break a hinge on the inside that you can't necessarily see, and the shutter just kind of falls off and slides down. Supposing the gem doing twenty two damage. I do have another attack. Nice. Yes. Can I plunge my sword into that area where the gem is, but just not on the actual gem? Uh, you you can certainly try. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, as you hit it, you know, you have obviously damaged this thing. Uh, in general, even even with this hefty hit, it does seem, uh, you know, to be still pretty hardy. Got it. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a 13. A uh, 13 will miss. Mm. But yeah, you see its chest plate is a little bit broken now mm. in a way it was not before. Uh, and yeah, it seems focused on you again. Did Smorborg? Smorborg gets to go now, yeah. Okay, I'll have Smorborg try to take out the orb. Okay, so just kind of trying to knock its chest to loosen yes. it. All right, rolled the hit. Ooh, that would be a 28. Uh, Yeah, that'll hit. Roll damage. 11. 11, not bad. It's definitely, it hits it, it hits it hard. This does not seem to jostle the stone. 
it definitely does some more damage to this chest plate, but it does unfortunately not seem to like knock the gem out. It does seem kind of tethered in a sense, like through magic. Okay, that, that makes sense. You don't necessarily think it's impossible, but it would take more and maybe different avenues than this. Mm-hmm. It is up, it is going to, first we see if this recharges, uh, it does not. Then it's going to take two attacks on you. It no longer has disadvantage. Uh, ooh. The first is an at 20. Uh, I, I use uh, Steel Defender uses his reaction to impose disadvantage on the attack roll of one creature it can see within five feet. Good call. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's still going to hit. Uh, that's a 25 to Jesus hit. Jesus Christ. Um, but it's not mm-hmm. a crit, <laughs> uh, which mm-hmm. is what matters, right? Uh, so that's 10 damage on its first hit. I'm going to use my reaction to blind them until the end of my next turn. Unless they succeed on a constitution saving throw on, against my spell save DC, which is 15. That is a 16, so it saves. Oh, that was so close. Big old high con monster. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. So that's its first hit. It does have another attack mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a 15 to hit on the second attack. Oh God, that hits. And that is for five damage. Okay, thank God. How are we looking? Hmm, pretty rough. <laughs> okay. So I didn't want to do this, but I think I just have to shift into the future. Okay. And do I get the sense that if I take a short rest, <laughs> something bad is going to happen? You don't fully know the passage of time, so you, that's certainly something you can try. But yeah, you uh, you give a look at Smardbark, uh, probably apologetic, uh, <laughs> and shift into the future. Okay. You find yourself <laughs> in this same room. Um, of, of course, it looks like everything else you've come across where Earth has come back mm-hmm. to reclaim it. Uh, Roots and moss have made their way all through it, cracking the stone walls that were pristine just a moment ago. You see the door is there, but it's pretty much fully blocked by just a massive form. Uh, It's hard to fully tell the size of this thing, um, but maybe like 20, 25 feet and it seems to be made of thick, intertwining roots, although you can see metal pieces uh, wedged between those roots, um, the biggest piece of which seems to be one on its chest, uh, a chest piece, though, that is seemingly uh, broken, um, and then there is a glowing red orb oh. in the center of My it. God. Uh, the arms and legs seem kind of like, like you do see it kind of stirring a bit, but it is like, it seems like it's been here so long and grown so much, almost too big for the room. Uh, and, and whatever energy maybe was provided to it isn't necessarily enough to fully mobilize it still. It also seems like it's grown into the walls and ground a bit. Uh, you see it, like, stir some, but not really be able to, like, move <laughs> um, in all that uh, big of a way. This is so cool. Oh, my God. I will quickly cure wounds myself. Okay. So that's your action. Mm-hmm. So uh, 14. That's good. And then I will go and grab the orb and shift back. 
Yeah, as you walk up, you kind of have to like climb on this thing. It's like kind of slumped against the wall. You're climbing some roots. Uh, as you're moving, you do notice an arm start moving, like a big intertwined arm start moving towards you, kind of trying to take a pretty massive swing at you. The one part of it that's free. It's moving quite slow though. So it got a two. So its arm slowly moves and you're like, oh God, I don't want to get hit by that. But you're able to nimbly enough move past it and reach your hand towards uh, the orb in its chest. As you kind of put your hand in it, you do feel like strain, right? It does seem like it wants to be a part of this. So whether it's through you pulling or exerting force in some other way, uh, you can either do a strength check or if you have some other way you want to try to do it. If I, if I fail the strength check, can I retry with some magic thing or? Yeah, it's not like this is the only time. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you fail, though, it probably gets another attack. Mm, I'm not a fan of this, but uh, could I just use my tinkering tools? Because I feel like this is a, a, a machine. It's like exactly the kind of thing where I'd be able to dislodge something. I think with tinkering tools, you could, but it would take more than an action, mm. right? Like you are here with this thing that is swinging a slow and heavy <laughs> arm at you, you know? Uh, so if you want to risk that, you feel like maybe you could do it with your tinkering tools, but okay, let's try this. a quick forceful thing is probably going to be better suited than the time. Like it, it would probably take a minute or two of which you'd have to... <laughs> be focused and it might be harder to dodge these things. Can I use my uh, attack instead of my strength? Because I, you know, my, my short sword basically has like a magic charge to it, which makes it so that I can use my intelligence modifier. So I was thinking I could give like a good knock with my short sword instead. With your sword, you could like kind of wedge it in there, right? Mm -hmm. And try to like use what would normally be strength to get it out, but I'd let you use whatever your attack modifier is. Okay. Yeah. You're not like swinging at it. That won't do anything. But like <laughs> trying to like dig it in and like pry it behind. I, I would allow you to try. I got a nat 20. Nat 20? That'll do it. Uh, <laughs> you pull yes. in. You see the arm coming again for a second one swinging towards you. This one a little more on the mark than the last. You're pushing with all your weight and then the gem comes out and the arm just stops where it is and then kind of folds down slowly, straight down, uh, just away from you. And you are holding a red orb. That tells me things. Okay. Wow. Okay. 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 The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, spend an action um, using my spell refueling infusion to regain a spell slot just in case I need it when I come back. Okay. And then I'm going to walk to where the the groove is and i'm going to make sure to shift back right there okay well so the groove right now is kind of being blocked by this big form mm -hmm. but you can get like pretty close okay. to it cool uh you shift back you feel the tug uh behind your neck a little bit of uneasiness but you've gotten used mm -hmm. to it uh, after doing it a few times and you find yourself back in the room it does seem like a little time has passed um but not nearly as much as the couple rounds that you were just in the other room. Uh, it does seem like the construct is looking at Smargbarg. How's Smargbarg doing? It looks like no attacks have happened yet. Okay. But the construct has moved up to Smargbarg mm -hmm. and is currently <laughs> making two attacks. <laughs> the first is a 14 to hit. So that the first one kind of just clanks off the side. The second is a 23 to hit. So Smargbarg will take eight damage. All right. 
And then also we'll get a sh energy shot from the gem. That's a 16 to hit, so that'll hit. Takes uh, 13 damage from that. You can see, like, the shutter motion tries to close again, uh, <laughs> but does nothing. Uh, you're up. Can I use Vortex Warp to warp um, the construct into the pit from the other room? Um, yeah, you can try. Okay. What's the save? 15? It's a constitution saving throw. Yes. Oh, fuck, it's constitution. Ah. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> yeah. That is a nat 20. Mm, of course. <laughs> oh, it was such a good idea. As a bonus action, can I do an object interaction? Uh, what's your thought? Oh, just to put the, the orb inside of the door roof. Yeah, okay. So here will be the sequence. You use Vortex Warp. Mm. Uh, you point the spell, cast it. It, um, like, shrugs off the spell and turns to you. Uh, and you can see it's, like, sight-focused on you now instead of Smorgbarg. Um, however, as soon as it, like, sees you and looks at your hand and sees you holding the orb, you see it kind of, like, relax. Oh. Its arms kind of move to its side. It, like, turns its head slowly, almost, like, inquisitively. Is it, is it still my turn? Uh, it is still your turn. It just seems to be looking at you now. If I move my hand with the, the orb near to the groove, does it seem like they, the construct likes that or does not like that? Uh, it As you move your hand with the orb just kind of around, it just kind of seems to follow it. If you want to roll an insight check, you can. Okay. That's a 10. It's hard to read a, <laughs> a construct like this. I can barely like read this. humans and then it's like a eyeless, <laughs> mouthless thing. Like You uh set the orb in. Do I see any reaction? The construct kind of like continues to look at the orb, and as the door goes open, uh, the construct just kind of follows the orb with its head. And not does not attack. It does not attack. Can I walk up to him with the orb? So you're pulling the orb back out. Oh, right. Okay. Fair enough. You, you certainly can. Uh, I mean, since he's not attacking, uh, let me just call to Darrison and, and, and the smart board and be like, uh, hey guys, you, you can get going if you want. Darrison kind of peeks his head around the corner and uh, waits a few moments and then comes out and stands behind you and Smorgborg like bounces towards you uh, <laughs> and is just kind of still like really hesitant to take its guard down uh but yeah so they are in the other room now uh they're staying behind you if you want them to go in the other room yeah just in case i just i don't want them to be trapped into whatever dumb thing i'm doing now <laughs> do you want uh both of them in there or just one or I, I want both of them on the other side okay they both go on the other side uh and yeah you pull the orb and the door closes again i just want to go up to the construct and you know, because I'm interested in uh, all matters tinkering and mechanical, I think that there's like this overpowering curiosity in me that drives me to bring the orb closer to the creature and just to see what happens, how they react. Yeah, as uh, you bring it over, like it 
continues to just follow the orb looking at it. And uh, as you kind of come within, like, close distance to it, it, like, reaches its arm out. Oh, man. Oh, let me do the head thing. <laughs> let me move, like, tilt my head a bit to the side and try to get the construct to realize that I'm saying, like, follow me, basically. Uh, it, it does not seem to react to it. <laughs> you know, uh, good thought. Uh, <laughs> but what it teaches you is that constructs are are do not uh, react to humanoid <laughs> customs all that well. Again, are you trying to push the construct to the door? <laughs> it it right now it just has his hand reach out. If you want to try to like move the orb again to see if it follows, you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, in like a way of like, hey, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you you hold it out and uh, yeah, it does take steps forward uh, with I, it. And I like sort of very clearly gesture to the like to the groove place and I sort of gesture putting it in, basically trying to indicate, hey, you can take this out once I put it here and you can have it because clearly it belongs to you. Uh, and I... I Put it in and just wait a little for the door to open a crack so I can slip in and he can take the orb back. Uh, yeah, you see the door open. He does not move to take it, but he does stand by it and kind of like reach a hand out to just like touch it, move back a bit. You know what? If that's the extent to which he wants to interact with that orb, that is his prerogative. Roll an arcana check because you do know, obviously like... While Smorgborg is human, or not human, Smorgborg is li a living <laughs> rabbit, like the construct around him, which does take influence from him, does exist like a little bit separately. So you do have understanding of constructs. So roll an arcana okay. check. Um, that's an 18. Yeah, typical constructs like need a core that powers them. And that is what creates them. That is what brings them life. It is what brings them <gasps> their existence. Given like that in the future, the construct you pulled it from was once this one, you get the sense that there must be some sort of kind of resonance it is feeling towards this core that is the same as its own. Mm. Okay. I, I think I'll still leave it on in, in the grooves. In the door. Mm. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Uh, you move forward into the next room. It's a little bit of a hallway, mm -hmm. uh, a, a much narrower hallway, although ahead of you, uh, you can see the shine of a blue light that's kind of like flickering. Mm. Uh, Smorgward would be waiting for you right at the door. Yeah. Uh, Darisant, though, you do not see him. Can I do a perception check to see where he is? Obviously with the headgear, so it's not great, but... Uh, yeah, you can roll perception. That's a six. You do not see or hear or sense him. Logic would say probably wherever that blue light is coming from. Yes, fair enough. Um, it's just, it's a single yeah. corridor. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was planning to do a, a short or long rest by going in the future and then, because I'm pretty much out of spells, but I will just raw dog this, <laughs> this very like climactic seeming scene and, uh, and walk into the room. Yeah, you move forward uh, as, as you enter this room. Mm -hmm. um, you, you see the room is round, uh, all in all. In the center floats a massive blue crystal, reminiscent of the ones you currently hold, only far bigger. Mm -hmm. um, the, 
the crystal pulses at random intervals and spikes of energy fly off of it every few seconds. Mm. Um, as you look around the room itself, uh, there is the first thing of note is what looks to be the remains of a collapsed tunnel mm-hmm. uh, you, 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 of, of an earlier expedition from Darisant and the townsfolk. Uh, the other thing you notice is writing all along the walls. Um, what languages do you speak? So I speak Elvish, Common, and Sylvan. Okay. You do not recognize the writing on the walls. Roll um, a history check. That's a 23. 23. While you don't recognize the writing on the walls, you've done enough studying, enough reading that, like, the language that it seems probably like it is would be celestial, which is, you know, the language of the gods. Ah. Well, you can't read what it's saying. Like, that. that's just based on, like, how the letters are formed. You know, you've probably seen celestial mm. words written, you know, people like a... I'm sure some people have like tattoos in celestial, right? Uh, and things like that. But you don't read it or understand it. But that that is the language you would assume. Well, can I do is. a religion check just to see? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do a quick religion check as you're looking around the walls. That's a 14. 14. What I'll say is the only words in celestial you might know are like the names of a handful of gods. Because various churches will have that like written above um, their temple. So you would know that just as it's kind of like common knowledge. And the name that you see on here a few times is the name Mistra, which is, you know, a goddess often associated with mysterious magics, arcane magics, uh, and things of the sort. I look around for Therisant. And you find him quite easily because on the side of this massive floating blue crystal, you see him standing. He has um, what looks to be like a chisel almost and it seems to be kind of hitting the side of the crystal. Not fully sure why, but yeah. I ask him, I didn't quite get the chance to ask you this before, but uh, you're looking for the lifeblood, aren't you? This, this has to have been about the lifeblood. I know a lot of people say that it's not real, and that that's not actually what you're talking about in your writing. And I know you haven't given a definite answer, but from everything I've seen you write about, this has to be what you're looking for, right? He doesn't look over to you, but continues to, like, chip away at it. Uh, yes, um, a very astute of you to look into that and, and know that it wasn't just a metaphor. This is um, one of the many lifebloods of our world. It's been wasted on these humans for far long, and it's certainly given me a lot of help over the last few centuries uh, in establishing my work. Is it how you've been able to glean all of the wisdom that you've gleaned, or is it what allowed you to live as long as you have? Or I guess that's just general elvish uh, blood. Oh, yes, certainly my life has just been of my birthright, but this stone and the abilities, some of which you have found. Um, I've never seen it operate in that way, and he's just I've never seen it work in that sort of way. Being able to move between times, but I have been able to push and pull, move time at different speeds, and sometimes go back. It's helped me work through various 
interactions with people. It's easy to know the right thing to say when you've said the wrong thing once and can go back again. <gasps> Chipping away. You've used this to time shift before. Small distances, and it's always quite localized. Uh, time is a funny thing, as you've probably found. It's not control over the whole universe's time, but of an area. I thought that lifeblood was about being stronger. Well, it is. Dun, 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 dun. How does that make you stronger? Well, knowledge is strength, and being able to always have the right thing to say to the right people is how you make your own strength and make strength as a community and make strength as a leader, or someone who can push forward ideals. But I, my whole... You see a piece fall off and he holds it in his hand and puts it in his pocket and begins chipping at another. But my whole life, all I've done is collect knowledge and you talk about perfecting the mind and perfecting the body, but I am still so imperfect after collecting all of this knowledge. I thought there was something more that I could do to be better. Well, with the power of time, it can always be better. I don't think time can change me. Well, it changed me, and I helped change you, so I think it can. I think this is the type of answer that I would usually absolutely accept from him. Like the kind of weird circular logic. Um, but this time it doesn't feel convincing. He continues to chip away at it, just dun dun dun. And as it's happening, it does seem to be flashing and spinning more and more and uh, seems less and less stable. I, I think of Mora at this moment uh and i ask him was was mora right is this dangerous for her and for the town at this point he for once kind of puts his hands down moves away from it and then looks at you look um there are powers around the world that have been here for millennia the gifts of via the, the things that everyone has always dreamed of and wanted for. Those things were made for the first of us, for the elves. They're powers that can only really be understood by us, so they're powers that really should only be used by us. The humans do not understand it, and eventually they use these things for war and expansion, for greed and hatred. Time and time again, that's how they do it. You didn't answer my question. This sort of power would be far more dangerous if it always stayed within their hands than if it left them. Did you create the time isolation? All I know is I took it 300 years ago, left. I've noticed recently that the strength of my magic hasn't been as powerful, so I came back thinking I'd take another and found the town the way it was. And then I got pulled into it back to where I had once started and couldn't get it to work at all, and then you came. We we have to let these people out. Why? Because not everything can be instrumentalized in service of some larger goal. You know, I believe in what you said. I, 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 I too value 
elven civilization. I think that humans have, have been stupid and greedy for a really long time. But you can't just use people to accomplish some grand philosophical vision. He takes a long look at you. You feel kind of every once in a while, the crystal continues to move and spark energy more and more unstable. Point like the room even shakes a bit for a moment and then stops. Well, it's what I've been doing. Is what I will continue to do. And you see him trying to like focus on the crystal in his hand. And you see it start to glow a bit. What do you do? Oh shit. Um I really should have taken that fucking long rest. I think I just hit him. I think I've been using I've used up all of my fancy magic doing all this fancy shit and throwing myself against the wall. And I think at this point, I'm like, the only thing that has worked this entire time has been just just hitting things at the right time. So I'm just all going right. to hit his arm, I guess, and hope it, it drops. Yeah, roll the hit. Uh, so that is a, a 27. Yeah, you slash at his arm uh, as he's focusing. You see the light growing and it just slashes and blood starts to reach. He reaches with his other hand to grab the cut and the stone falls from his hand. What do you want to do now? I want to... Oh, that's so strange. I don't know how the time works because I want to put both crystals back because I think that will fix the whole time thing. Is there like a spot for both crystals, I guess? You see the one where he cut away? Mm -hmm. Roll an investigation check. That's an 11. An 11. Uh, you scan over and you feel like in this moment, it is hard to find the second one. You would need more focus in order to do it. And my my sword has light. Does that not help? With an 11? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just hard. Like, you know, it's a crystal with different grooves. Uh, it's It's hard to find the spot. You get the sense that you could maybe find it with the right focus, but it would probably involve taking off the helmet. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, does that take an action or a bonus action? I'll say that's a bonus action. Okay. Your action was the attack, yeah. We'll just call it a bonus action, duh. Re I mean, really just flipping it off is a free action, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, then I will take off the helmet. Okay. So roll the d20. That's 17. 17, yeah. save again. It does go up to seven, but uh, yeah, you save. Uh, you hear at this moment, as soon as you take it off, just like Darison wincing. Uh, he does not seem like one who takes pain often. Yeah. Uh, you hear like the grinding of his teeth as uh, you can hear the, like, the slow sliding of his blood on his arm and kind of his hand moving along it and, and gripping it and like almost like his muscles tightening and you do kind of hear his head like lifting to you he doesn't seem to be taking movement towards you yet but you get the sense that he's kind of like looking trying to think of what to do next you can make your new investigation check that's 23 23 yeah you find it uh just a couple feet to the other side of the one you already know where it is you see what looks to be the little groove so there's two holes that I've know and they, I know where they are. Yeah, there's there's two holes. Technically, there's three crystals, but the two that you have are the same. Mm. 
do I get the sense from everything that I've learned that I have, because I, I think my, my brain is a bit logically compromised because my head gears off and I just found like my, my whole world has been a little rocked. Um, can I figure out if I need to kill uh, Darisant right now or if the crystals will sort of do like stay in, in the, in the device? I would say with everything happening and as as the big crystal seems to be more and more unstable by the second, you feel like action is more important than logic. You don't know how much longer this crystal will go before something happens to it, the way it's looking unstable. Okay. As Darison chipping away at it seems like it may have uh, potentially damaged it more. Okay, yeah, I, I put the crystals in. Okay, yeah, you... Put the two in. Uh, you kind of have to reach out your arms a little wide, uh, and you feel like the big crystal resonating with it and starts to shake. You hear a yell that's just piercing as your helmet is still off, and then feel the collision of Darison running into you, trying to pull you away from it. As soon as he touches your back like it does feel like far more force than it probably actually is just as uh your sensitivity is high mm. uh the two of you are going to make contrasting athletics checks you seeing if you can kind of hold on and him trying to pull you away oh my god that's 13 he rolled a three uh oh. <laughs> so he's trying to pull oh. you away and you just kind of like you never did play lacrosse did he <laughs> Hold, hold him back and just kind of box him out to the best of your ability. And you feel the crystal shaking more and more. And light just shines all around the room, blue light. You kind of get pushed back. The crystal's no longer in your hand. They seem to be reattached to the gemstone. I'd also say just because you have very firm awareness of everything around you, the gemstone that had been in your pocket probably a moment before, the, the duplicate from the other time, mm -hmm. that does not seem to be on your person anymore. You kind of felt the weight of it just vanish from your pocket. <sighs> okay. You get pushed back. You see the gem that had once been wildly moving about and sparking off energy just go still and then slowly start to rotate. Mm -hmm. And you're in the room, you, Smorgborg, and Darison, who's just holding his arm. And I know that the crystal could, can be taken out, basically. I mean, you do know that somebody probably could do what Darison had done and chip away mm -hmm. at it again, but... It's not like it can be easily plucked. It seems like it has refused through its magic. Okay. So I think I just look at him and I try to figure out if he's given up because I, 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 I like really, really hope that he has realized in this moment that what he's doing is wrong. Like I still hold out that, that hope. He kind of looks at you. All right. You, uh, you were right. You were right. Uh, you can roll an insight check if you want. Your helmet is oh, still God. off, so you have advantage. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. That's a six. With advantage? Yeah. That's rough. That's so rough. It's hard to read. He has the same uh, kind of steady expression as he normally does. What are you going to do? I'll uh, go back to Samathalore, where I'm supposed to be. 
You can make another insight check, but it will cost you another d20 roll without your helmet on. Okay. That's a four. Four. Okay. So the DC now goes up to nine. And I take that damage. Eh? And you take some damage. You take six points of psychic damage. Uh, but you do get to make another insight check. I walk up closer to him, and that will be a 19. Actually, that's a nat 20. Nat 20? Holy oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> like through a nosebleed. Right <laughs> you Holy like walk shit. up and look close to him, mm-hmm. and you know him through his writing. You might know him better than most, and you can tell that this is a lie, that he is just telling you what you want to hear right now so that he can do whatever he wants. Is there a way that I have, I've read all of his writing over and over and over, and now that he's told me that he has been using time to repeat things so that he could get a one-up on people, is there a way that I could find such a definite logical inconsistency or several logical inconsistencies throughout his work that make it very clear that he has done terrible things or at least that his work is complete bullshit. Right now, that sort of logical train of thinking is probably very hard to make right now with all just the okay. sensory stuff. Then I put it back on, okay. definitely. All right, so you put you put the helmet back on. I, I would say then, as you're thinking that through, make you can make a history check. That's a 21. 21. Think it over, like, the things he said and the things he's done, and, and what he said about using time to manipulate people and get in with the right people uh, to, to build his crowd. You think of like the various connections he has pointed out in his books between various elven uh, royalty, um, other elven philosophers. And you consider like what, yeah, what sort of benefits could he have had from those conversations and, and moved through and like based on what he's saying of like time being able to be manipulated in a like small local area could people notice weird inconsistencies that would happen, you know, with him (laughs) and the times that he may have been trying to affect things. He has mentioned many people throughout his books that you get the sense he probably manipulated through his magic. Mm -hmm. Because I imagine you've probably read the works of other philosophers as well and other people doing things. You're like, well, wait, like this idea that he talked about here was kind of alluded to in the works of Broston talker. Uh, and it's like, well, he did talk about his conversations where he came to this conclusion and Broston talker was intrigued by it, but could it have actually been Broston talker who originally came up with it? Oh. But then uh, Derisant, who then used his time manipulation to go back and, you know, you're, you're kind of thinking through these different moments in his works where it's like, mm-hmm. he could have stolen these ideas and then use time to make people think that he had them first. And I think I would be able to... Being the well-read Darius and John Pear uh, fan, you still would have to go about the hard work of convincing people. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But you can probably, off the top of your head, already think of like five inconsistencies where it's like, well, wait, how can we say that this is a natural evolution of your works of getting to this conclusion mm. when these other people were far further along and you just kind of came here randomly and... You're okay. also thinking of like, well, wait, how did you get to this part of the earth 
uh, at this month, but the other side uh, on the other to have these different experiences when mm. you've clearly shown no magical ability, you can't teleport. Like, you know, how could you, you mm. know, like it's all these like stories that you're like, these actually don't make sense. Mm. So I walk up right above him. <laughs> um, and I, I look at him and I say, this whole time you've made people believe that you developed your strength, that you worked so hard to claw yourself to the top, that you did it in a legitimate, worthy fashion. And there are millions of elves and humans and creatures who hold on to that idea. How do you think it would make them feel if someone told them that your strength is stolen? And I sort of, uh, like he knows that in this moment, I am sort of physically and magically more powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm threatening, I guess, his, him mentally as yeah. well. A roll in intimidation check with advantage. Okay. That would be a 15. 15. Seeing this power imbalance here and you see him kind of like that same calculating mind that you've seen so many times just working through all of this, working through the interactions he's had with you, what he's seen with you, what he has a chance of losing uh, the risks of that. And also this idea that if there is anyone who understands his work well enough to bring him down from the small amount of time and the amount of quotes you've thrown back at him, it probably yeah. would be this person standing in front of him who also was able to do something that he uh, could not. Mm -hmm. You also kind of see him like look at his hand, the one he had used earlier to try to manipulate the crystal again to shift time. And where you found it's been instantaneous uh, every time you've done it, it obviously wasn't for him. So you do kind of see him do that and notice like a sense of like, almost like defeat <laughs> there that uh, he wasn't able to harness the power in the same way. And he's not positive he'd be able to harness it in a way uh, this is probably more out <laughs> of character that you wouldn't fully all know as Sybil. But, like, mm. it's that sense of he's clearly the type of person who is weighing, like, can he stop you easily? Exactly. And based on the experience he had and your knowledge uh, and your ability to manipulate these things better than him, he seems doubting in that. And you won't tell any of the people of the town what I did? I have spent... Is it 20 years of my life? Um, I mean, I learned to read pretty early, but still, like 18 years, um, directing my life towards something that was a waste. And honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed by that. I will not raise a finger to have anything to do with you and your work for as long as I can help it. I would ask you to please leave me alone as well. You see him calculating again, and then he gives a small nod. 
and in a very defeated sort of way, stands and starts walking back out. I uh, try to check if the sky is gray. Uh, yeah, so so you start walking out, um, following him. Uh, you walk past the construct who is still tapping <laughs> the uh, red orb <laughs> on the door. You walk to the big gap room. Wait, uh, I want to give the, this construct the, the orb back. Okay, yeah, you, you pull it out and like <laughs> hand it to him as best you can, and he just kind of holds it with his branch arms and, and continues to look at it and weighs it and moves it up and down, but mostly just seems fascinated with that. <laughs> but content. Uh, I'm glad. And, I'm happy you uh, continue to move through. You get back to the big gap room, um, which currently the light bridge is out as the purple orbs in the door. Mm-hmm. I assume you have a first level spell still? Yes, a single okay. spell left. Okay. So yeah, you would need to find a way to get back in the groove um, in the ceiling. I can catapult it, right? Or... Uh, yeah, if, if you have a first okay. level spell left. Uh, or I can even just mage hand it, right? Uh, well, it would be too far because you only have 30 foot range. <gasps> Not again. Not again. I'm no. going to get traumatized. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna... damn 30 foot ranges. Yeah. <laughs> but you can definitely catapult it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you... Uh, so the red door closes. You pull the purple orb out and that door closes as well and then you catapult it up a perfect <laughs> shot gets caught up and the light bridge goes across mm-hmm. and then yeah you finally make your way outside and as you look up the sky seems to be blue i think i just collapse on the ground uh having been so mentally and physically exhausted i think i'm at i'm at 17 hit points which is like not great <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I think I just collapsed on the ground. Um, I I still have my the books I think from from Darisant. Well, no, you had taken them out actually. Uh, by... I thought I would put I put them back. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't think back. I would. I don't know if you them. said it, but you would have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna get them. Um, and I think I keep them because as much as I don't want to have anything to do with Darisant ever again. I think that I realize that part of what he said is correct in that knowledge is very powerful and I need to keep and hoard knowledge still myself if I am to protect the world from a threat like Darisant. As you're on the ground, you know, feeling the books on your side, uh, you hear footsteps coming over. Darisant has kind of leaned against a tree and is just holding his arm. But you see footsteps coming over, and it's the form of Jordy and, and Mora as well. And they kind of come over to the two of you, seeing Darison like hurt, like leaning <laughs> across, and, and you just looking relieved on the ground. And you, you did it. Yeah, we did. Darison and I, um, we wanted to save the town, and we did. And I give Darison a look of, I will not say anything. Like, Good. Where, when, um... Jordy's kind of like looking between and thinking about all the like uh, conversation you had had about time travel and how things are and, and uh, different realms. And he says, mm-hmm. when are we? Oh, uh, I, I don't know what time it is supposed to be. I guess I, I just say the year because I'm assuming they sped through time essentially. So I will say the year that I found the ruins. Okay. Yeah. So we're out of our time, but we're back here. Okay. I can stay for 
a little if it seems like, you know, moving 200 years in the future uh, or or more uh, might cause you guys a bit of trouble. If there's one thing I've done, it's read. And I'd like a little bit of a quiet life for a little bit so I could stay, uh, if that would help. Uh, certainly. We... We'll need to figure out exactly where we are and when we are and how things have changed, and it would be fantastic to have a guide. And, I mean, I saw some pretty valuable steel wood on the way here and some dwarven oak. Uh, and, you know, that kind of stuff sells for a lot in this era. Uh, I actually think that, I mean, I don't know how to what extent you, you want to use the resources that have been given to you, but you're not going to be a poor town if that's what you're interested in. He seems very interested. Uh, in, in general, it seems like this town has always been well-to-do and to continue to do well and sell well and have more goods to be able to sell. Jordy seems mm -hmm. excited about um, That sounds fantastic. Um, Mora goes over to the door and pulls out the stone. She looks at it for a bit and then looks at the door and just with all of her strength, throws it at the stone door, and you see it shatter into <laughs> a handful of pieces. Amazing. Darisent stands. Well, best to you all. Um, I have places to be. Uh, glad I could be of service. And he gives, like, one final knowing look to you and <laughs> a sad little nod and turns and limps away. Smargbard kind of, like, uh, growls as much as a rabbit <laughs> can growl. <laughs> Jordy uh, puts a hand out to help you up. I take it. Yeah, lifts and starts walking back towards the village, um, uh, having a light conversation, uh, being thankful for what you've done, and seems worried and confused about what the future might have or hold or bring, but does feel a little more confident with you being around uh, in the ways that you've been helpful and the small bit of good that you already showed the town, hoping that there can be far more good to come with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm happy to have found a small little place where I don't have to change myself an immense amount to be helpful and good. Uh, you know, I don't have to take off my helmet and be exposed to terrible pain and sensory overload to help because everything that I can help with is it's something that I've read that I found on, on paper. Um, and so just using the small amount of, of knowledge that I've collected from the world, that's the most helpful thing that I can do in this very small capacity. And it's, it's, it's just something that I find really satisfying and really comforting in a way that I've never, I don't think I realized it, but for a long time, I have been trying to achieve this sort of adventurer, um, hero image that I, I, I'd seen Darisent talk up so much, this kind of Grecian hero type thing, but not, you know, whatever the, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, Sanathalore type uh, hero mm -hmm. image. And I realized, I, I sort of just let that picture of that heroic protagonist, I just sort of let that image go in my brain. And it's replaced by just sort of an image of, of just some some girl who knows things and maybe works at the library or something. And people come to her um, to just f find where the books are 
on particular topics and she talks their ear off for longer than they wanted to about the thing that she's interested in. Um, and she's really happy with that. Yeah. You move along back to the village. You find that the village that is here is the one that was in the past. Although when you kind of look to the outskirts of where the gray had been, some of that is overgrown and that does kind of confirm to you what you originally thought that time in a sense has collapsed on itself. And while Amble held maybe wasn't supposed to be here in this way, it is now and you will guide it to where it will be eventually. And I think that's a good spot to end this session. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, wild. That wasn't was a perfect ending. Wasn't that so good? <laughs> that was I so good. I, I did not know how you would handle Darisant at the end. There are certainly a handful of ways it could have gone. Yeah. I the like, threatening the reputation, though, is so good. Oh, thank God. Uh, to then transition <sighs> into, I was trying to be this person that Darisant said was perfect. Uh, and I've been researching my whole life to become that person. Yeah. But but what actually was the important part was the research. Exactly, you know, like, because I enjoyed that. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, I love that so much. Um, awesome. Yeah. We will talk more in depth about this in, in the post-show after the role uh, and it break down some things that happened, some things that could have happened, uh, ways that you maybe thought it would go and ways that I thought it would go. Uh, we, will, we will talk about that. So if you're interested, you can check out the Patreon for that. But yeah, anything else? you want to add before we say goodbye? Yeah, so I've been meaning to say that this character was brought to you by multiple people. Basically, just there's a bunch of people in my life that uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to perform my first long form thing. Um, and it's about this neurodivergent character. Um, and so I reached out to a bunch of people in my life who are wonderful, either like TTRPG people or they are um, neurodivergent themselves and they've really helped me flesh out this character uh and i will shout them out now because they're all so wonderful uh nerdy simulation on tiktok she does ttrpg stuff she does stuff that's beyond dnd 5e so if you're mad about that uh what i said at the beginning that's who you should go to um dungeons and degrees is a great dnd podcast by adrian ross uh who is my current dungeon master has a youtube channel called spell it out where he does other D&D stuff. VXC has a YouTube channel about neurodivergency and video games, and Maxi Goffling is actually the best composer ever to exist on Spotify. Uh, her music sounds like Elden Ring shit, so anyone who's watching and likes what I do will probably adore her. So, um, those are the people that made this character possible. Uh, awesome. Yeah, all, all the links for those folks will be in the description. Uh, check them out. Uh, Gray, your link will be in the description as well. Check her stuff out. Uh, check out all these people. Um, anything else? Oh, I think I screwed up the puzzle. <laughs> oh. I don't know if that's a good thing to add. We, that's probably we, uh, for the post-show. That's probably for the post-show. Yes, show. we will talk about that in the post-show. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, that you... The way you ended up solving it, I enjoyed. Uh, it was not anywhere close um, to to okay. what I thought was the intended way. That's what I thought. We'll, yeah, we'll I was like, there's to... a path, there's a lock, and there's all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
But that's D&D. You're never doing stuff the way it was intended yeah, to be done. Of course. That's the game. <laughs> you put a lock um, on a on a on something and they don't use the lock, they just slice the thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean good rolls and a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we will be talking about that okay, then. Okay. Uh great, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. It was a pleasure developing uh the idea and and uh watching you develop the character. I, I'm excited to talk in the post show because you provided with so much lore. Um <laughs> And a genuine, genuine interest in doing all this, uh, and, and it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much, and you've been such a wonderful DM. Thank you for taking my ideas on board. <laughs> yeah. For all of you still listening, thank you so much. Hope you're having a good one and have enjoyed the episode. I, I'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Bye. All right, it is that time again to check in with the heroes of Cortia. First, we have Aurora of Winter, a tabaxi paladin who has taken an oath of blindness in pursuit of serving justice. The Reese of a small hamlet was murdered, and Aurora discovered that it was the son who had committed the crime. After first attacking her and then lying about his father, he tried the only option left— to run. His footsteps pounded along the floor, echoing against the walls. Aurora decided to give him a 10-second head start, as it had been too long since she last had a good chase. She caught him before he could even get past the fence of the Reese's estate. She then took him to the constable, where he admitted everything. She was offered a reward for solving the murder, and only took a quarter of it. Just enough for food for the road. Knowing she had spent too much time in one place already, she set off for somewhere new. Next, we have Pumpkin, a forest gnome running a detective agency in Belen who has been summoned to meet with Captain Braggart of the Lord's Guard, the man she was investigating under suspicion that he was the clear water killer. So what was your badger doing in my attic? Pumpkin took a long breath. I'm not sure. He's usually well-trained, but sometimes if he smells food or something that interests him, he can get all out of sorts. The captain's eyes bore into her. It took everything in her power not to shiver. I would be fully within my right to have your badger put to the sword. A dangerous beast out of control. A potential risk to the people of Belen. It is what my men suggested before I brought you here. Pumpkin's eyes widened and Braggart leaned back. Of course, that feels a bit drastic. And I think that fate can be avoided. As long as you promise not to let this sort of thing happen again. Pumpkin gave a quick nod and began to open her mouth to say of course, but Braggart talked first. I also would ask for your assistance in a matter. I know of your business, and I think some of your work could help us with the case we have. No part of Pumpkin liked where this was going. Then there's Emmanuel Villop, a private eye working a case in the Collar District, his old haunt, to get to the bottom of who has been stealing from the port guard. He sat at the bar the loose side love, looking at the bartender Darum. So you need information. Well, what can you offer me? Darum asked. Manuel took a sip of his whiskey. Why don't we skip the part where I offer you something you don't want and you just tell me what you're after? The tiefling man gave a small chuckle. All right, to the point as always. There's this guy named Yurivin, a dwarven man who's been coming to the pub every night for a while now. Sits at that back table. Darum tilts his head towards a worn seat in the corner of the room. People come in and out to see him. I don't know what business he's peddling, but... I need to. I don't like things happening in my bar that I don't know about. Track him and see what he's up to. And then I can tell you what I know. Emmanuel finished his whiskey. He knew Darren was never one to ask for a favor without having something worthwhile to give in return. Got it. But if you're worried about what business he's caught up in, why don't you just kick him out? Darren gave another chuckle. He dips well. 
After that, we have Keelan Damari, a mountain dwarf who just got a contract to find and kill a small dragon. At the base of the ravine where he had seen the beast plunge down, he noticed a small campfire, so he began his own descent down to it. He tied his robe off to a thick old tree and then did a few tests. As he pulled with his full strength, the rope was so taut it could be plucked like a lute string, and the tree didn't budge in the slightest. Satisfied, he began rappelling down the ravine. Keelan had been around cliff sides for all of his childhood, so this one didn't faze him in the slightest. At one point when he placed his foot against the wall, part of the rock broke off, causing him to lose his balance. Where many would have panicked, he stayed calm, tightening his grip on the rope as he spun around, and then braced for a collision against the rock. As he bounced against it, he was relieved that it didn't knock the wind out of him. He hung for a moment to collect himself, and then kept climbing down, as if nothing had happened. When his feet touched solid ground, he dusted himself off, and then walked in the direction of the campfire. Next we have Oceanus Waverly, a merfolk bard who chose to battle against a storm instead of a small military fleet, and has now found themselves separated from their ship and in the water. Quickly they surfaced and tried to look for the boat. Waves whipped them back and forth and rain buffeted their face. No matter how hard they tried, they couldn't see anything. So they dove down, far enough to be out of the swell of the storm and just floated for a while, waiting for it to pass and trying to come up with a plan. It was in this moment that Oceanus realized they hadn't slept in over a day. With the storm raging above, they figured it was as good of a time as any to get some sleep. So they swam around until they found a nice patch of sand beneath some coral and curled up to rest, feeling more defeated than they have in a long while. Then there is Vern, a half-elven life cleric spending his time helping the folks of Lowtown in Teldwith. That is, until a man with a knife ordered Vern to come with him. The two walked through the night, Vern taking slow steps as the man told him where to go. After a few minutes, they walked into what seemed to be an abandoned boathouse. The man gave two knocks on an overturned rowboat, and a few moments later, there was a click. The man lifted the front of the boat, revealing a set of stairs beneath it. He waved his knife towards it, and with no better option, Vern stepped down them. Once he got to the bottom, he saw a 20-foot hallway with a door at the end. Light spilled from the bottom of it. He heard the man climbing down behind him, and then the gruff voice saying, go through the door. Vern figured that if whoever wanted him planned to kill him, he would have been dead already. So he looked to the door and pushed forward. Lastly, there is Virgil Bowerstone, a hill dwarf life cleric in possession of a strange book he found in the lair of an abolith. He took it to his mentor, a woman named Dolm, and as he showed it to her, she looked on with horror. Where did you find this? Virgil explained what had happened in the lost ruins of Biestpola. The dreams, the loss of control, the battle, and then taking the loot. Throughout the telling of the story, her eyes didn't leave the cover of the book. When he finished, they sat in silence. Then she cautiously touched the cover and pointed to a symbol on it. This is the sign of Orion, a celestial, or at least, he was once. It is told that the gods banished him from the divine plane and sent him to live on one with no way out. Virgil took in her words and then nodded. Why was he banished? He asked. Dom took a breath. For leaving mortals a book that foretold of the end of the world. And that's all for now. Along with the heroes of Cortia, I'd also like to thank the citizens of All Hearth, who are dealing with an army traveling through their lands. The attendants expected at the next meeting are Adustus, Ethan Hill, Fiduge, Grizzly Melon, Jack Weird, Joachim Dahlquist, Merrick 16, Phil Emarg, Preston Metters, Ruka, Savara, Travis Croats, and Zach Smith. May you make the best choice for the village. Anyway, have a good day. Enter night.
I'll see you in the next one.